Thank you for tuning in today. Just a little bit of a preamble. We had some technical difficulties where Pan's computer literally died while we were recording. So her audio is actually lost from the beginning of this episode, but we get it fixed about 20, 30 minutes in. So it's not too long, maybe even shorter, but um, yeah, uh, you won't hear Pan's side of the audio, at least in the beginning. So thanks for listening. Welcome to the Hunter's Hub. This is your host, Fortwine, joined by co-host Morg Daddy. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, uh, we had a bit of an incident um, uh, earlier this week that kind of was a bit upsetting. I don't want to get into too many details, but, you know, uh, we kind of got over it. Um, I've got the house to myself right now. Uh, so, yeah. And I'm also downloading the preload for, what is it, Monster Hunter Rise? Hmm. Gonna be awesome. Oh, but the pre the preload's already up. Yeah, 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 it's already up. That's like I think it was out since yesterday. It's like that's like almost a week early, six days early. Wow, no, a week early as of yesterday. I mean, nobody can play you it right now until on. it's official. But it's that's not it. true. They broke street date. Mm. Super broke it in um, France. I think is what I heard. For shame. Um, yeah. For shame. People have already been playing it. Um, also, co-host Pan. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. I'm Some of them. I had popcorn. God damn it. No. No. Morg. No. Oh, no. Morg. Chat no. only. Chat only. Apply. <laughs> I have to be involved. I have to be part of the conversation when people come in. No, I just got chat open. This is why this is why Morg has has internet <laughs> yeah. problems. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as as you heard in the preamble, yes. I've been besieged by Italian food and now I feel like I'm I'm in my forties despite being twenty five, so Hooray for that. You're younger than I am. I know. But I feel I feel I haven't had any like hard drinks in like two weeks. But I feel like I'm hungover and I don't understand it. This is college food, man. This this is something you have to get used to. Apparently apparently a significant amount of butter and cheese is enough to uh destroy me. Mmm. Mmm. Yes. I uh, noodles with shredded we went, cheese on top. Mm. Put those pounds on. We went on, to like baby. a hibachi. Gorgeous. We went to a hibachi. I think it was Tuesday, um, and I got sushi, thinking that like 
it was just going to be a small amount of sushi. <laughs> no. So I couldn't finish my hibachi. Mm-hmm. I had to take home leftovers. I was thinking, like, oh, it'll just be small. No. No. I was I was almost full after the sushi. <laughs> so I felt bad. <laughs> I barely ate any of the hibachi. Um, all right. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about D&D stories. Um, I did not write mine down. I had intended to, but I, I have been full single parent mode this weekend um no no grandparents to help me out this weekend they've they've all left to go retrieve my brother for a week and then it's gonna be me for two weeks because they're going on vacation Ooh. and i'm gonna be home alone nice <laughs> that's so cool just you know it's zero help well they were here this morning and I took the girls to the hot tub and then left, so the girls were all hyper, and I had to give them baths, and that's how the day started. Normal dad stuff. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about our D&D stories, and in um, Ace's case, magic stories, because he doesn't play D&D a lot or at all. Um, there was a group at my previous job that wanted to start it, but then a whole bunch of... Uh, We'll call it corporate exodus ended up happening. So that friend group kind of got mm-hmm. fractured and decimated, board wiped, if you will. So, oh, <laughs> no. Exit. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Starfire. Who's Starfire? Teen Titans! Ah, uh, okay. <gasps> We've got somebody else in the chat. <gasps> Who is this beloved viewer? See, the mm-hmm. only one I've watched... Welcome! Uh, the only one we've watched... Uh, I've watched is the Teen Titans Go. And the Flash episode, I was dying laughing. There was, like, something about Bat- uh, Robin trying to race Flash, and Flash always mm-hmm. winning, because, duh. And yeah, then, that's kind of dumb. Um, but he, he, he wins up winning on, like, the rematch because he essentially breaks his kneecap. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, he breaks the Flash's like, kneecap? Uh, the kid Flash, yeah. Oh, man, it's so mm. funny. He trips him, essentially. He could still hop faster than Robin could run. Not with a broken leg. Oh, he totally could. Totally could. Doesn't he have like a re- like yeah, fast but, regenerating like, healing? He's powers a kid, and stuff like that. Like he could just like speed but, up his. Oh, so heavily nerfed Flash. Yeah, he's a kid. He's literally a kid. Yeah. Okay. So, like, if you're a kid and you break your leg, I think you're going to be more focused on your leg than yeah. <laughs> winning a race. Regardless of superpowers or not. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, like I said, we're going to get into some D&D stories. Mm-hmm. Yay, we got an angry monk in oh. here. And we got Pokachon. Woo, hi. <laughs> and the cloud. Awesome. Nice. Let me see. Oh, okay, so there's... I there's, have not... There's myself, cloud, angry monk, Pokachon, hubby. That's our five. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the most I've ever had. Nice. Wait, that's not true. Oh, wait. 
for podcasting, yes. But I mean, like, this is only our second episode where we've actually done, like, the streaming and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Okay, then it's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. All right. Well, again, we're going to get into D&D stuff. Um, we're going to hold off on Monster Hunter Rise stuff, even though I did beat mm-hmm. Magnamalo. All three Finally. of us did. Um, I say all three of us because I know Pan hasn't really attempted. Am I correct? Pan is frozen on my screen. Oh, yeah, she is. Oh, no, yeah, she's absolutely petrified. Pan, are you okay? Oh, no, we lost Pan. I think she's traumatized by Magna Mala. I wouldn't blame her. That 15 minute, <laughs> like, it's traumatic, man. It's traumatic. 15 minutes? It's a little bull. Boy, we are professional. Mm-hmm. Hey, about as professional as we <laughs> want or need it's to okay. be. Fortuan, you haven't told me how you beaten Magna Malo. You didn't see it in the general? No. Or Twitter? No. Or... Yeah. Um, Gog, Ace, and I did it. Nice. Three manning mm-hmm. it. Cool. I I can't help it if you don't check our own Discord and the Twitter. Probably another reason why I'm going to get banned again. As always. No. No. Uh-oh, we did lose Pan. Pan. She'll be back. She'll, she'll always be back. Don't worry, guys. Day one patches are going to be funny. Oh, my God. Crap. I can't check the Discord while we're doing this because it would pop up on the recording. So does anyone see what uh-huh. happened to Pan? She, I heard a message pop up. Let me check. Maybe the Nintendo Assassin's got her? Does she have any emulators? I don't see Day one anything. Are gonna be funny. Something was in the leaks that wasn't in the final. <gasps> no. Scandalous. Monk. I don't. I we'll don't have know to save that for later because we don't want to spoil. Yeah, anything. I don't currently see anything Unless in the Discord boards. Okay. Oh no! Well, All right. it is what it is. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Magna Mala while we're waiting for her to come back because uh, she's the star mm-hmm, of yeah. tonight's show with the D and D stories. That's for sure. Yes, she is. Um. So, um, yeah, Magna Mala was infuriating. Um, it gave <laughs> me a headache Monday so much so that I had to go to bed. Um, oh, but I did beat it. I also mm-hmm. finished God of War this week. What'd you think? Um, fit. Uh, I liked it. It was a really weird mm-hmm. ending, though. Like you mean the part where Balder tries to kill his mom, but then you end up killing Balder, and then no, no, that's not the that. end. That's not the end. Oh, the Thor flashback. That's the the end is literally just them just sprinkling mm-hmm. the dust. Just, well, that was that oh, was their mom? goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole reason why they were going there, yeah. I I understand that, but from a video game standpoint, it was like, oh, I expected another final boss. Like, oh Okay, cool. I wasn't I wasn't against it. It was it was actually kinda cool, but like Um We did not return to Kratos' house yet, Cloud. You have um, to do that. That's important. It's I something happens in there, you know. It's really important that you do it. I 
I will. I have not put down the game yet. I also only have two mal- two more Valkyries. Oh my god. So Good luck beating um, the last I'm going to one. Do the other two. <laughs> uh, I've actually had not t- not too many problems with the uh the Valkyries at this point. Now I, I did look at a guide for a few because it's like you're fighting it and you're like, okay, I have no clue what to do. So I looked at a guide for a few of them. Um but uh once I figured it out, it was more just an execution thing, which I got in one or two tries after. Um, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of chatter Steve on the Discord. Steve is currently is... messaging. I don't, I don't have anything yeah. in messages though, in DMs. Yeah, Poker John, I'm actually really appreciative of the fact that you were able to help us beat Magnamala. You did a good job, man, and the best way possible for me. Three seconds left on the clock and two carts used up. That's a great mm. way to do it. You gotta keep it. We on had the no wire. carts. We had no carts oh, in sixteen uh, seconds. Steve says to let him in. Mm. Let him in. Oh, okay. Ooh. They might have had to switch right, over to his him? computer, I'm guessing, maybe. There might have been a crash. That's uh. what I'm thinking now. Probably, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe your computer crashed. Hmm. Okay. Well, you're gonna see some uh, things behind the scenes. Things behind the scenes. Oops. It almost rhymes. <laughs> you ever thought of being coming the next Doctor Seuss? I mean, you know, you'd actually okay. like kids. Should so be. I mean, you know, you'd probably do a better job. Should <gasps> be good. You could be... Oh no, roll dog. Yeah, roll doll. Now that guy, he did a great job with stories. Uh, um, let me see. At pod chat, at Steve. We can join now. Yeah, we do need a cool. little Discord magic. <laughs> I need to have someone else be a moderator, too, <laughs> other than just myself. Well, you know I'd be terrible for the job because I'm almost never here. But I do my best. Wait, I should be able to join. Yeah, put it, put him as a. There we go. Excuse the technical difficulties. She is back, and better than ever. I think maybe. <gasps> Pan, how are you doing? I see her. Oh wait, I see she probably cat. has to get the camera going. Yep, there we go. We got some signal. <gasps> Yay! Hey, Pan. Technical difficulties. Uh, didn't hear what you were saying. Nothing. Oh, no. Yes, there we go. Yes! Yes, Yes. we can hear you! Yeesh. Oh, wow. That's... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God, no! How does it overheat I'm running sorry. only two programs? Uh, yeah, that might do it. I mean, my Fair. machine runs Windows 7 as well. Fair. But I mean, it's able to run... Oh, God, no. We're losing them all. <laughs> no, we lost it. No. <laughs> it's all right. We're good. All right. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Okay. Uh, laugh my fucking ass off. There we go. Yeah, let's just me and you do a clap just to sync audio. Okay, so cool. We're good. All right. All right. So back to the topic at hand. Uh, I don't know if you heard Pan real quick. Um, uh, just before we lost you, uh, the three of us had beaten Magdamalo on the demo. Um, I'm pretty sure you hadn't. Have you actually fought him yet on the demo or no? Okay. Um, it was tough. Super tough. Um, I also defeated God of War. Finished that game. Um, excellent. Last night. Last night I beat it, but I still want to do a little bit more before I switch over. But I may be able to hit my goal of finishing both Spider-Mans and God of War before Rise comes out. So if I can finish Spider-Man in five days. Dude, you're just blasting through games. I haven't even touched, like, Sinking City or anything like that. It didn't help. Well, no. It helped that we didn't have a lot of customers this week. So I had a lot of extra extra time. Um, So anyways, we're going to be doing D&D stories. And Pan, I'm going to have you lead us off with uh, with yours because you obviously have the best, and we'll always have the best stories. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, why don't you, why don't you lay it on us? Hello, check. No, <laughs> no. Uh oh. Okay. There's the okay, audio. Okay. Did you just mute yourself okay. by accident? No, no. Um. So again, I'm on my husband's computer now, and his push to talk button is different, and I pushed oh. my push to talk button. Oops. Oh. Uh. So there we go. Okay. So, um, all right. So I, I posted a list over in the planning channel. Let's tab over there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go off of okay. memory for mine. Here we go. All right. Same with me. Um, so the first one is what I call the egg <laughs> incident. Oh. And it comes man. from uh, several years ago. Uh, God, I Hunters lost the video. Have the thing. home okay. of technical difficulties. Okay. Facts, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so several years ago, uh, back when I first started uh, DMing uh, D&D, it was like right after, um, right after 5e came out. Um, we, my husband and I, we went uh, to Gen Con on our honeymoon, and that was the Gen Con mm-hmm. where D&D 5e debuted. So we, we kind of got nostalgic for the days of yore when we were in college, and we played D&D with our friends over summer breaks. So we're like, hey, you know what, let's get the gang back together and play some D&D. So we bought we bought the core books and we started a game and um, two sessions in we had uh, this incident. Uh, one of the players, uh, his character was a lawful good paladin of the dragon god of justice, and he of came. Of course. And uh, so, which it fits very well in my setting. Um, the dragon god of justice mm-hmm. is like the you know he's part of like. He's the major god of my setting, so it worked great. Kind of like Bahamut. Uh, that is exactly who it is. It's Bahamut. I, I was, I was, I'm being non-technical for the non-nerds in the, in the listening party. Which is the current ecology <laughs> I should be writing, is Bahamut. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, then we also had a uh, another player who was a... What was that? I don't know what that sound was. That was, was me just player. sliding some tonic to slip into my gin, so that way I have something to enjoy. We had another player who was a cleric of Bahamut, and um, there were a few other players. We had a group of, like, six people to begin with. Um, But the three important players are Paladin of Bahamut, Cleric of Bahamut, 
and a sorcerer, a dragonborn, dragonblood sorcerer who comes from the, uh, he was related to the imperial family who claim uh, divine descent from Bahamut. So, mm. yeah. So the paladin, as part That's of his family affair, yeah. So as part of his tragic backstory, the paladin's uh, hometown was destroyed by an evil blue dragon, and uh, that that was basically the first session. Was like the evil blue dragon comes to town and wrecks shit and destroys a town. Um, we were doing the Rise of Tiamat for those who know the plot of Rise of Tiamat. So his wife and child were killed, and so therefore he swears an oath of vengeance against Tiamat and her cultists and all that jazz. So second session, they have been tasked with uh, recovering these uh, dragon eggs that the cult of Tiamat is going to use for some evil ritual. And mm-hmm. uh, they've been told to bring the, bring the eggs back, and they'll get a substantial reward for bringing the eggs back. So they get there, and uh, they get to the, you know, they fight a bunch of kobolds, whatever, they get to the eggs, and there's three of them. Um, if I recall correctly, there was a green egg, a white egg, and a black egg. And I rolled for this. You know, just randomly determine what colors they are. Yeah. All chromatic. uh, That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, dear listeners, chromatic dragons, um, chromatic dragons are generally regarded as evil. Um, in classic D&D lore, they are objectively evil and they all basically, uh, follow the different sort of traditional vices of dragons, whereas metallic dragons are the good dragons who follow the sort of ideals of dragons. Mm -hmm. So they get there and they see those eggs and the paladin wigs out, um, because these are baby chromatic dragons as far as he's concerned. And he takes his, he takes his hammer and he smashes Mm -hmm. the blue egg. The cleric of Bahamut and the sorcerer get very upset because the cleric, uh, as he is a cleric of Bahamut, he feels that the dragon god of justice would not see it just uh, that these innocent eggs were being destroyed for crimes that mm-hmm. they had yet not committed. But they'd and commit them anyways. Like it's probably, like patch. possibly, probably, but um, the nature versus nurture. More. Have you yes, guys never watched this. Minority Report? Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. Now, hang on. So the the, I mean. the sorcerer, <laughs> yes, the sorcerer, um, he is disturbed at this because I said he is he is dragonborn and he's a dragonblood sorcerer, dragonborn. So, dragonborn hatch from eggs. They they look like human. They look like a dragon, but a human, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. So he is disturbed because you know all of his friends basically hatch from eggs, and that was a pretty disturbing thing to witness. So he's not going to let the paladin smash the other two eggs. And this uh, sort of tension between those three. By the way, there's two other people who didn't take a stance. Okay. Yeah, so they just kind of stayed out of it. Um, and in my very second session DMing, basically this devolves into like an actual out of game argument between the three of them over whether or not abortion is uh, oh, moral no. or oh, not no. moral. And, oh no! And they wanted to know the Church of Bahamut's official stance on abortion. Oh, God. Egg abortion. Yeah. Because, the, yeah. Well, so every yeah. day that I go to the supermarket and I just go and pick up eggs, am I like... The, are they fertilized eggs? Some no, of them actually are. Well, you know, sometimes well, sometimes you can get a baby chick and an egg. It has happened. Oh, yeah. Happened. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I know. Yeah. Like yeah. Farm embryo. fresh eggs. So, um... Yeah, this this happens, and like the three of them actually get pissed at e- like 
the 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 sorcerer guy and the cleric guy get super pissed at the paladin guy mm-hmm. like out of game and it it gets it gets gross and nasty and oh, they no. but eventually it ends with all right chelsea what is the church of bahamut's stance yeah. on abortion and i'm like i I was, I'm just here to roll some dice, guys. I was not prepared for these questions. That's when you do this. Like, let's take a break. Let's just... <laughs> you have to know the politics of your world. That's why... This I, is yeah. two sessions in. <laughs> oh, man. That's brutal. Now, you guys were all friends already, though, Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, and here's, yeah. Yes, here's the other thing. Like, everybody at this table, um, they're actually all members of the same fraternity uh, from mm. college. Except me, obviously. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. there was my husband. Um, there was, uh, let's see, one of his, yeah, his big brother in the fraternity. Um, his best friend from high school, who also joined that fraternity, like they joined the fraternity together. Um, okay. An older sort of senior member of their fraternity. And uh, who else was it? There's a fifth guy there who didn't. Oh, yeah. And this, like, younger guy in the fraternity who, like, moved away, like, like a month later so mm-hmm. he wasn't there for very many sessions mm. yeah and um yeah it was a uh, it was intense and rough and we kind of ended at a stalemate and eventually next session um the cleric so because clerics are overpowered at low level mm-hmm. the cleric kicked the ever-living shit out of the paladin <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's that settled that and this is why everybody should just metagame and just play as clerics just from now on. Like, because they're so freaking broken. Early clerics game, yeah, they are. They are, are super an underplayed broken. class. Yeah. So I, I typically get a cleric every every game, or at least someone who's partial cleric. Somebody gotcha. um, in our group uh, actually I see a got lot of bards. Oh, sorry, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, I, I see a lot of bards, I see a lot of barbarians, and I see a lot of sorcerers. Those are the main three, and warlocks. Um, those are what I saw a lot in my days of DMing. Um, my days of DMing has been a little mixed, though, especially lately since I've moved back to my hometown. Mm-hmm. Because it's all been my brother's friends who were all, um, how do I put it, mm. bad players. <laughs> in what way are they bad players like do they just not understand the rules of combat uh, or like do they I just dis- play out of turn everything from metagaming to not understanding the rules than to try to use the rules against you as a DM rules lawyering you when not understanding the rules still it is it is a nightmare so I stopped yeah. DMing for them period last year um, that's unfortunate actually before COVID before COVID, so it'd be November before, so it'd be November 2019 that I stopped DMing. Yeah. Um, and the only game I've been running is the one that we discontinued for the podcast. Uh, so. And currently, I'm in no games. <laughs> so there we go. Apparently, my husband is d- dusting my computer out now for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice of him. So if you hear canned air going, that's that's what's happening. Gotcha. Um. So yeah. So the egg incident. Is there more to add to that? Or, um, or... Not really. Um. The uh. By the way, the Church of Bahamut's official stance is that the head of the household has absolute right to the to the lives of those mm. within their household. 
Ooh, because, that's, a, that's a nice neutral position. Um, it like is, it, it is, yeah, and I sort giving of giving them the choice. Well, um, the uh, dra- kind of. Dragonborn society in my setting is very heavily based <laughs> off of the Roman Empire, so I kind of like went, like I dove deep into sort of traditional Roman law, and the head of the mm-hmm. household like had absolute authority over like people in his house, so. Uh, if basically a member of the family committed a crime against the family or an act against his family, he could he, he could like have them executed and nobody would like say anything. It was rarely mm-hmm. done, extremely rare um, for something as serious as that. But you know, the head of the household could have you flogged or whatever if you were part of his household. So the Church of Bahamut's official stance is that the head of the household has absolute right to the lives of those within his house, her her, because um, dragonborn are matriarchal in my setting because hmm. female dragons are bigger okay so it's almost Makes roman sense. but more celtic well like yes uh like i said female dragons are bigger because uh virtually every bird of prey the female is like 30 percent bigger than the male yeah so i so that's why the females are the soldiers so yeah there you go i like the direction of that campaign actually <laughs> It's still going. Um, yeah, yeah, that is. There is a few uh, episodes of it up on our SoundCloud. There are there are a few episodes. Uh, the people in let's see, a few of them, a few of them. Her, one of the major characters in that campaign is, I believe. Let me let me think here. I need to think about this. He is a he is the grandson of the sorcerer in this story. Mm. Nice. I love it. I love the I love the family stuff that you have in your campaign. It's pretty good. All right, Morg. What are you doing? Uh, okay, bye. We lost Morg. <laughs> Ace, you're up. Okay. Um, yeah, Ace. So one of my favorite moments from Magic: The Gathering uh, was the time that I was playing Arch Enemy with some of my friends from Scouts when I was still in Scouts. Uh, and we did it. Arch enemies. Yeah, and we did it before format. they even came out with like the the pack that you can buy in stores. Um, so our friend Paul had actually gotten you know the arch enemy deck and had his own Nicol Bolas deck made up. Uh, and we oh we just <laughs> God I hate yeah, that dragon. We just sort of uh used decks that we had. So he was nice and allowed us because he knew his was mm-hmm. far scaled up past what like we would have because he's insane and makes like fourteen hundred dollar right. commander decks, you know, casual. So was it like a Grixis deck? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Oh, dude, do you ever want to talk about expensive commander decks? Ask my like brother. Three colors, my brother, like red, I know black, it was and three because he had the Nicol Bolas commander that requires three different colors. It was probably red, um, black, and blue. So, anyways. We were like, very aggressive. I would say yeah, third or half of the way into the game, uh, and I, f- I think it was Nate. He decided to attack, and Paul went to put down like some kind of deflection spell or something like that to kill him. And so, because I have, I was running two decks that had blue in it. I had a a counter waiting in the wings, so I played a counter. And because the deck he was using had blue in it, mm. Paul tried to cast a counter. 
so that his damage would go through. But then because I had another counter with the other blue deck, I put down a counter. And then he had one more counter to try and counter chain this. But I also had one more waiting in the wings. So I was able to counter him three separate times. And he so got the, so, oh so my, Oh my gosh, that is a... Blue deck's uh-huh. gonna blue deck. Uh, yeah, ba- blue yeah, is basically say... just the big no you deck. <laughs> no. Here's here's one of my commander mm. decks sitting right here. I like Hydras. Okay, yeah, that's black red. It's can... hard. It's yeah, that's. I can go grab my. Uh, I can go grab my deck. My yeah, that's my black red blue, right isn't it? Yeah, that's a Grixis deck. Yeah, uh, it is Gyrus Waker of Corpses. That's pretty sick. And it's the. It was originally one of the first. It is still. I think still mm. the only black Hydra. There might be another. No, there's another one. Um, Zaxxer. There should be actually a good number of, like, Black Hydra cards out there. Or even blue ones, because there's a lot of, like, Sea Serpent-based nope, ones. No, there's... Shouldn't there? There's green-blue. There's green-blue. No, it's it's very rare for green uh, for Hydras to go outside of green anymore. Oh, I um, see. Because they mm-hmm. are the quintessential green monster. And I also have oh, King nice. Ghidorah. What? You have King Ghidorah as a card? Wait... Yeah, they had a Godzilla crossover. I thought I could easily retrieve my uh, Magic the Gathering decks, but they're somewhere in a card hotel over there, and it turned out to be <laughs> not where I thought they were, so I don't want to go digging I have the a entire double hotel. Deck box. Well, let me see. How many we, decks We have did I got? some Magic <clears throat> online One, during COVID, two, and I actually keep my decks three, at my desk now to do the... Four. One sec. We quit... We quit playing Magic uh, when we were saving up for our wedding. And then we never really got back into it. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, PokeJohn, um, there was a whole crossover set um, that included many Godzilla cards. Uh, Ghidorah, um, several versions of Godzilla, including Baby Godzilla. Baby Godzilla is actually a card in that deck. It was actually a really cool concept because it was, uh, um, what do they call it? Is it, is it mutate? Because like they're all mutate. Oh yeah, mutants in the mutation. I think it's the wait. Is it mutate or so, is it evolve? It's a mutate. Evolve is the one that's like it. Yeah. Mutate is you take a card and you pay for its mutate cost and whichever and you get to put the card under or on top of the card and it has the stats. It, it gains all abilities of the two cards. So you meld their abilities together. So if one has flying and one has trample, they now have flying trample. No way! If And whichever one's the top card is the power toughness. So if you mutate a 1-1 one, one trample onto like a 6-6 six, six nothing, you just gave that 6-6 six, six trample. Um, hey, and hey, Fort. That is so cool. Quick, yeah. Did we tell the Discord we're streaming? Uh, we did not tell the Discord. Uh, I'll take care of that. Forgot. <laughs> I forgot. I, I was uh, I was in kid mode as you saw before we started streaming. Um, I, oh. I accidentally fell asleep just before their bedtime, and I was like, "Oh crap! It's bedtime. We need no, not not just before bedtime, dinner time." So like, I had to quickly fix dinner so they could eat before they go to bed, and then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I fell asleep because they were watching Roblox on YouTube. I just, I can't watch that. Yeah. I just... <laughs> Actually, 
I to be fair, when I woke up, I kind of got engrossed. They made a um, like a mini mall tycoon kind of game inside mm. of Roblox. It was actually kind of cool. So they were trying to outdo each other with this <laughs> mini mall tycoon, like who can raise more money? Hey, pan switch like cameras. It. Hmm. Okay. You know what? That is a better yeah. camera, anyways. I just got yeah. I just got my uh, husband's computer to talk to my camera, which is a much much better camera than the one mm. he his computer has. I need a better camera. To be honest, I got this Logitech for an interview like four years ago. I'm pretty like sure you have the same camera. So the the camera that my husband uses is like this cheap ass Logitech that I bought mm. a while ago, and he kept mm. stealing it from me. So for Christmas, he bought me this like fifty dollar mm. HD camera. I've never heard yeah. of Card Fight Vanguard be... before. I wonder what that game's like. Hmm. Man, man, Morg, <laughs> the king of sidetracks. No, 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 no. I just got to pay attention to chat. You know, I know you can't see it because oh. it's blaring, but you know, I'm here for you guys. I'm here for the that, public. You know, I'm here for that the viewers. That hurt my eyes from here. Well, how do you think I look? I'm looking directly at it, going. Shh. I look. Oh, I looked away. Your your phone shines with the light of a thousand suns. Blinded hey, by the too. light. Welcome. So, so Morg, next um, story. Do you have a story? Oh boy, I've got a bunch <laughs> of them. Okay. Um, did I ever talk to you guys? Well, just the first okay, one. Well, did I ever tell you guys the story about the Food Network being an evil organization? You've hinted at it. Not on. Yeah, not on the show. But yeah. Okay, so what I did was I decided, well, we were going to play, um, oh, frick, what was it? It was that large collection of old dungeons from previous editions, and it's like in a fifth edition uh, volume, like the large one. Whoops. Tales from the Yawning Portal. That's the one, Tales from the Yawning Portal. And um, in one of those dungeons, I decided to play as a bard. And instead of, um, you know, uh, being the musical sort, I decided I would make him a chef. And so I decided, hey, you know, hey, what's a what's a chef that likes to belittle people and you know, you know, uses the power of his words to disempower his foes? Hmm, Gordon Ramsay would probably be a great addition to the party. So I played as Gordon Ramsay, and all I did was just badmouth people and literally just use, you know, every foul curse word and every slang that I could come up with, just to like, um, to completely, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh. Uh, to uh, disarm and to shame every goblin that we came across, <laughs> including kobolds. It was really, really funny. And so what happened was, um, uh, after a while, I stopped playing as um, uh, Gordon Ramsay, and then we created some backstory saying that, you know, he, he was actually part of a criminal organization called the Food Network, because, it, let's face it, the Food Network is evil. Um, by trade, they turn all the best cooking shows into dramas. You know, reality TV show. It's it's villainous. I hate it. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just... It gets views. It gets views. That's the problem. Yeah. It gets views. It, it, it's awful. Your problem, it's disgusting. Your problem is the average audience, not not the Food Network. <laughs> Everybody's a Kardashian, man. You know, everybody's just stupid and made of plastic. Um, but yeah, anyways, where was I? 
Uh, yeah. So then what happened was uh, we decided to make, uh, well, I think it, yeah, I think we were playing Baldur's Gate recently. And we decided, well, actually, this was the DM's choice because he keeps, he likes bringing the food network in to be like sometimes the bad guys. <laughs> and so there was a situation where we had to deal with the Flaming Fists. And then there was another group, I believe it was uh, some cultist wizards. I can't remember what organization it was. And then the Food Network. And they were caught in this, this trifecta of like power where they were all battling against each other to try and have control over um, the city we were in. And we used um, this big skirmish in order to be able to get past them all, or at least, you know, have it so that they whittled each other's forces down to be able to take each other out. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was really funny. And so then I, I made another character. I think, well, the first one that I played was an Abomination Barbarian, which is a homebrew that I definitely recommend people trying out because it's really awesome being able to hulk out, turn into a big beast with, like, venomous teeth and claws and be resistant to psychic damage. Um, but then what happened was he got cornered by a bunch of cultists who all used uh, inflict wounds on him. There were, like, six of them, and they just... Thanos snapped him out of existence. And so then I had to make a new character, and I decided to play as a wizard hobgoblin who works under the evil food network. Food network. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. But I'm not telling anybody in, in my party about that because I want to keep it a secret. They think that I'm working for the Flaming Fists, but no, no, no. I work for the food network. I'm planning to kill them all later. I like playing this bad guy, but yeah. Oh, I feel like pe more people should play as the villain in, in a lot of their campaigns. Like, just to play, like, you know, the funny twist. You know. <clears throat> okay. But it has to be okayed by the DM. Because, like... you know, if he, if they want to develop yeah, chemistry sure. in, in the campaign, then, you know, so be it. And, you know, no no hard feelings taken. You know, nothing should be too personal. So, I mean, you know, if you play a bad guy and you're flying to kill your teammates, as long as everybody's having fun, if you win or lose, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what's why as a DM I always set up rules. We are here as a party working together to do things, and then that's my normal ground rules. B, I don't allow evil characters nine out of ten times unless we're mm -hmm. specifically doing something evil. And then C, um, on top of that, no, regardless of alignment, I always stress no player fighting, um, because we actually had an incident of that, um, which I don't, I don't know if I'm going to talk about that to dine or not um but basically everyone was fighting over bulborb armor we were playing a nintendo campaign oh no and we made bulborb bulborb leather armor mm. uh from pikmin and everyone was like literally fighting over it um because they wanted the upgrade because it was a plus one leather armor and we were all plebes with no <laughs> magic items at that point um so yeah uh there you go but um I'll start off with my first story with an early DMing story from my days in high school. Uh, a little bit of backstory for listeners. I've been DMing since I was 13. Um, so I have been playing D&D &D for, yeah, it's 20 years now. This is my 20th year that I've been DMing and playing uh, off and on. And I don't think I've missed a year yet, but I have not played consistently over that whole time. Um, so one, <laughs> I had an incident in high school though. I call the herbal <laughs> essence is incident. Um, so, herbal uh, essences. being a high school kid. Yes. 
Did somebody yes. accidentally so, put a black pudding on their head thinking it was shampoo or conditioner? No. So what I want to say, I will preface this. This thing started the reason why I do not allow people to play the opposite gender of what they identify as. Okay. Now, I have loosened up on this because I have played uh I have played uh with more reasonable people since. But at the time, I had to make a rule if you're a guy, you are not playing as a girl. Period. Um so Let's uh, let's set this up a little bit. Uh, so I, I was big on making dungeons, right? I still like doing that. Um, I think, Pan, you can attest to that. You had that whole Patreon thing with the dungeons. Um, so I made a dungeon that was a... Was a I like doing, like, trick puzzles and that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I loved is there was this clear blue water. Think of, like, um, Diddy Kong Racing. There was that that night beach level where the, the water was like a sparkling teal, like a, like that kind of like, uh, Bahamas, like tropical looking water. that's like super clear, but like super mm-hmm. like blue teal looking. Um, like off, uh, like and, off the Island of Crete. I don't know if you've seen like, pictures yeah. from there. Yeah. Something like that where it's like, it's like hyper blue. Don't worry. Ooh. I have not left. More. Don't worry. I'm still here. Don't mind my yeah, profile picture. Like yes, I do like to draw. Blinding white. <laughs> ah, there it is. Found it. Blinding white. How am I supposed to vape Anyways. if I don't have a vape? Not. Mm, give me that. Save your sweet, life. Sweet fix, baby. <laughs> Gosh. Anyways. Uh, a little um, suckle on the old douche flute. Mm, that's so good. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, Ugh. I'm still alive. Don't worry. I think we did just lose him, but keep going for it. Yeah. Uh, so there's this dungeon that is completely submerged mm-hmm. in this color of water, and the trick is that it's oh, breathable man. water. Ooh. Like so, people neat. are trying to figure out how to how to get through this dungeon without breathing in water. And eventually there you go. Spoilers. They never figured this out. We never got that far. Uh So one of the things was supposed to introduce you to the idea Uh is these skeletons designed to teach you that the water's breathable. They're not, uh, they're not, um, hostile skeletons, but they will grapple you and pull you under. Oh my yeah. god. Which seems very hostile. I just thought of something horrible. Um, Imagine if somebody was playing as a villain character and was like, well, I'm bored. Uh, good thing I got this sack of puppies that I wanted to drown for the longest while, and then they just throw it into the river and like, and then oh, the puppies, the puppies are, fine. are fine. Hey! There's something odd about this water, you know? Oh my god, could you imagine that? No, that Why? that would be one way to, you know, just More... you know, catalyze the the whole campaign. So you're such a special <laughs> creature. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when I'm playing Devin, so, uh... I can fit into any role. Like, it's really funny. <laughs> Assassin Hence why Chef. Your name is Chub Chub. Point is, just don't take anything seriously. <laughs> Puppy drowner. <laughs> A man of many talents. 
Continue with the herbal essences incident. I'm re- I'm I'm bought in. So, so um, I I I will. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to use their real names, but I can't. Uh, just Bob name and them Tim. After celebrities. Good like good Brad and Toby. Good good friends know. of mine. They were like we were like the Musketeers in high school. Bob and Tim. Right. That is not their real names <laughs> mm-hmm. to to protect their identities. Bob, um, Tim, and Chad. So. I mean, I am Cham. I will say that. Oh, so no, no. Chad I said Chad. Too far as in, like, you know, like, as like the lake yeah, I know. of Africa. <laughs> Forget it, Morg. Anyways. Oh. Um, uh, uh, the scouts <laughs> are there to design to teach you that you could, quote unquote, drown and be fine. So, obviously, they fight the skeletons. It's mm-hmm. kind of the ruse anyways, right? Like, okay, so we're going to fight the skeletons. But their victory dance of defeating these easy skeletons is... Um, they're like both playing female characters, by the way. Uh, it might've been obvious yeah. since the, uh, setup and they're like, I take off all of my clothes and I'm like, why? He's like, don't you know that sparkling blue water from the commercials herbal essence? And they start doing herbal essence commercials <laughs> and they're like d- acting them out to each other at the table. Oh, no. Like, wow, wow. Doesn't my hair look beautiful? <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's funny, but like, can we actually just play? Like, Never got any further. The rest of the night was just them making herbal essence commercials at each other. The what whole the night. Like, <laughs> oh my so, god, that sounds like a fun time. Damn it, why wasn't I there? I wish. So, so we... I mean, you had to have been in Ohio when I was, like, I think I was 15. Um, like, right, 15-year-old boys. It makes a little more sense now. No, it, yeah, like I said, we were high school. Like, it was, it was... But I was very much like, hey, I have this cool idea, and, like, no one's playing it. And uh, my my brother, he was also playing, was so over it. And if you guys have talked to my brother a little bit, he's a little bit more, like, segmented. He's like, no, we are doing this right now. I'm done. I'm out. Like, he fought Magnamala with us twice, and he was like, I'm good. I've had my time. Fun. Later, guys. I'm not doing it. Like, um, so my brother was over it. He just left. He went to bed. He was like, this is stupid. I'm gone. Um, so, why, it was why just... Why is he working towards was, getting a speed run? Was, you know, he could get, like, seven minutes on that run. So... It was it was an it was kind of funny, but it was also infuriating because we never did anything with that dungeon. That dungeon is still drawn up, and no one has gone into mm. the mouth of the dungeon yet. Like it is. So one of these days, I might revive it if I get the. I don't, but I'm not. I'm not much mm-hmm. of a DM anymore. Um, it's too much planning for me. So, considering I do all this podcast stuff now, I'd rather just yeah. do that. <laughs> So, there you go. That's my first story. So, back to Pan on a uh, on, on on a more epic story. All right. Well, good news is my computer apparently lives, but I'll probably finish out on my husband's computer because I don't want to have to like make you edit multiple <laughs> files. So I'm happy about yeah. that. He just got it booted. Um, but uh, so this next story, um, I call it Death's Scythe. Um, so, I'm trying to remember who all was in this group. Okay, roughly the same players, actually, um, as the previous story. You know, we lost a couple people along the way because they moved away or whatever. Then we gained a few folks. 
Um, mm-hmm. But this this story took place, I think, about a year or two after the last one, um, and we were in a whole different campaign. Most everybody was playing this, the um, offspring of their previous characters or somehow related. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're around level nine or ten at this point. Um, sorry. Yeah, they're around level nine or ten at this point, and um, they're currently on a quest to uh, deal with this plague that's ravaging the city. Um, I called it Draco Blight, and it's basically... Basically, it's what if dragons got Ebola? And okay. uh, oh. yeah, it basically causes like their skins, their scales to melt and fall off, and uh, they start bleeding out their gums and eyes and eyeballs, and that's a big problem for the Dragonborn Empire. So, and uh, also the the Crown Princess has fallen ill with it, and um, oh the, no, uh, yeah, and one of the players, uh, yeah. The crown princess was his half sister because he was the uh, he was the emperor's bastard son. Because mm. his previous character, the the dragonborn sorcerer from last ca- from the last story, went on to become the emperor. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I remember you talking about that one. Yeah, time. I did. Um, so yeah, so the, he was he was the emperor's bastard son, and so he wants to save his sister's life and redeem himself in the eyes of his father, and yada yada yada. So they got to cure the draco blight. Yeah. So they find out that there is this uh, artifact of like extreme ma- destructive magical power that's in the hands of this uh, of this up and coming demon lord, and so mm-hmm. uh, and he seems to be the the sort of malevolent force behind this recent outbreak of Draco blight. So mm-hmm. they have to they have to go to his layer of hell and get this get this staff back from him. So they. Uh, completely and absolutely utterly fuck up their uh mission to uh to like infiltrate this palace and they get their asses caught about five minutes in and it wasn't no like they failed a stealth check no they were like hey motherfucker we're gonna storm right (laughs) in through your front door and uh forgetting seems like a bad idea so they stormed right in through the front door and this up-and-coming devil lord with this a staff of extreme malevolent power, like basically summoned his army of demons and curb stomped them and chained them up and dragged them to his dungeon. So um, I'm like, Seems okay, fair. I'm like, oh god, oh god, <laughs> I've got to get them out of this because I can't just, I can't just like kill them all in this dungeon in hell. So I'm like, okay, what do evil, what happens when evil villains have got the, have got the good guys surrounded and got them captured? What do they do? Monologue they to their own disaster. Monologue. Of course so I'm like, they All right. do. Yes. So I, I, you know, he has his guards haul their asses up to his his throne room, and he's 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 given a great villain monologue. You know, how dare you storm my fortress? And <clears throat> you know, you weak puny mortals. Why? And he's like shaking shaking the staff, and they they check out the staff, and I'm like, I, I describe it as a long, a long uh, wooden staff of somewhat plain design uh with two sort of strange handles at one end of it so um yeah so like okay all right um they they just like grind the game to a halt because they can't like understand what i just described um basically you you ever seen like a scythe like a big ass like old timey scythe yeah oh yeah yeah, that's that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to describe, mm-hmm. the stick end of a scythe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 
the, one of the players. A little curved. Yeah. Well, no, no, just the stick. Yeah. Just the stick. No, there's no blade on it. So. Well, no, the the stick normally is curved from the mm-hmm. head down to the handle. A oh, okay, bit. okay. Yeah. So, um, one of the players, he's a he's a necromancer, and uh, he's like, he's like, oh. Oh, he's he he starts piecing together various clues that I left them, and he's like, "I wait until he finishes his monologue, and then I tackle him and grab that staff." I'm like, "Okay, okay." So you know, he makes a couple rolls, and he he does very well on his roll, and so he he basically tackles the the staff out of the uh, out of the demon lord's hands, and his uh, consciousness is immediately whisked away across the across the multiverse. And he comes face to face with the Reaper himself. Ooh. Uh-oh. And the you know the the pale rider the pale rider upon the white horse, he says in his deathly hollow voice, "Who are you who holds my staff?" And the necromancer guy is just going, <laughs> "Yeah, of course oh, he would." My, He's like, my dark lord, I am in, I am in the third layer of hell in the throne room of, of Abaddon of the House such of Belial, and, and yeah. I need you to get here right now. I, I ride for my staff, and then he out, stretches out his hand and dismisses mm-hmm. the necromancer. <laughs> oh no! And so he, the necromancer gets back, like his consciousness snaps back to his body, and. Uh, uh, Abaddon has snatched his snatched the staff back, and he's had his guards like curb stomp the necromancer a couple times. And uh, he says, "You know, how dare you, mortal!" And then uh, in co- you know they hear this distant sound of horse hooves upon upon the stone, and the the pale rider mm-hmm. comes riding into the throne room, and just sort of towering over Abaddon and snatches mm-hmm. his staff back. And. Uh, he says, where is the blade? And, you know, Abaddon doesn't know. Nobody knows. And the players, like, they, the gears are turning in their heads because they have this, uh, they have this weird sword that they've hung onto for months. Mm-hmm. Probably it's, crescent-shaped. It is a crescent-shaped sword, and this, uh, this, uh, like, dragon of death has been, like, chasing them for months. I actually have her randomly, I roll a, D, a D100, and... On a seventy-five, on a seventy-five or lower, she shows up randomly and attacks them and fights mm. them for the staff again, or for the not the staff, the mm. blade. The blade, yeah. Yeah, and so they're like, "Oh shit, we can kill two burns with one stone." That fucking, I actually called her Magala. Oh my god, mm. really? Yeah, yeah, really? I did. They're like, Magala will stop chasing us, and he's on our side. So they like they toss him the crescent blade and he fits oh, the so two pieces happy. back together. He fits the two pieces back together and whirls his scythe above his head and chops <laughs> off Abaddon's head. And uh, so threat is dealt with, and uh, death sort of like looms over them. And he says, "You mortals may ask one boon each of me." Really, a favor from death himself? Yes, yes. Um. And I said, by the way, guys, now that Death has his scythe back, because he hasn't had his scythe for thousands of years, resurrection doesn't work anymore. And, yeah, and they all collectively, death. like, yeah. Yeah, so permadeath is a thing in my campaign ever since this. <laughs> nice. It's wow. like being back in Chult. So the necromancer says, I want the recipe for, I want to know the ritual to lichdom. 
And everybody just kind of like looks over at him because like up until this point he has not been evil. Mm-hmm. So he gets he gets to know the ritual that is required to become a lich. I don't give him the re- the items mm-hmm. he needs for the ritual. He just but has he knows to find the ritual. himself. Yeah. Mm. He had to get like uh th- that was a whole nother thing. Um the other the the bard, you know, he's he says I I ask that you recall the the plague of Draco blight that, you know, is plaguing my si- my city and uh like the other t- the other two guys like ask for like get out of one get out of death free card each. Mm. Since it's permadeath gotcha. now. So death grants them and then he rides away. And that's the story of how that my players bumbled their way onto like into this like devil lord's <laughs> castle, got their asses captured, and like summoned death himself to cut off the devil lord's head. And one of your characters is able wow. to cheat death by it, obtaining See, a phylactery. This is this is why I have always wanted to play in Payne's campaign. <laughs> <laughs> they sound fun as hell. So good, they are. Better than mine, that's for sure, and more can account to that. <laughs> well, no. I mean, yours are pretty darn fun. You include Monster Hunter monsters in them. By the way, Sometimes, yes. if anybody is interested, we... Oh, wait, no. I can't invite players into our campaign. Fortuan, you have to do that. I'm, I, I've talked about this. I am discontinuing that. I don't have the time or energy to DM that as far as... Oh, also no. do the show. Also do everything else. Like, yeah, I just don't have the time and energy, man. No more adventures I, of Chub. When Chub. you when you have when you have booked yourself literally five out of seven nights a week. Yeah, I think that's a little much. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, yeah, it's just I can't do it. I mean, um, that is like chiefly the reason why I'm not in anything except this is because like I've got a. Right. I've got to do my game mm-hmm. on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, so, um, Ace, your next magic story, considering well, it's adjacent. Um, mm-hmm. w- one thing I love about magic is the ability to be beyond dickish with the plays that I make and the decks that I make. <laughs> um... Man, I am. So you're a blue player primarily. Dick. Okay, so I have to ask: Have you created an infinite loop yet? I, I was gonna say. So if it's you, it, one of the things you like about magic is that you can be a bit dickish. So you're primarily a blue player. Between green and blue, this one is a, a mono green deck that I have made. Um, so this one. Oh, that is this, dastardly. Yeah, mm. mono green can be my, pretty mean. Uh, yeah, casual. Mono green deck that is centered around Hydra Broodmaster, which is like my favorite Hydra card in the game. Um. <laughs> Same here, of and course. I collect Hydras. I have every mm. Hydra that it was ever printed. So, so yeah, for, it's a good how one. How do you get your hands on every Hydra printed? eBay. I mean, of course. I go to card sites. My my favorite is Troll and Toad. They're a they're an online retailer that's actually based out of Kentucky, which is really close to me because I'm in Southern Ohio. So I buy as local as possible. So the way I see it. In this particular one, we were just me and some friends from Scouts were just doing like some casual play, um, and I let them know, "Are you sure you want to take on this deck?" Because it is centered around ramping up mana, 
as much as possible because it has Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx, which basically doubles your mana source. It has several Voyaging Satyrs, which can untap lands. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do know that. And there's... Uh, what is it? Uh, what's the card? There's Karametra's Acolyte, I think, where she also taps. Karametra's Acolyte. She taps and gives you green mana equal to your devotion to green. So. Oh, wow. I want to say that I was in a bad spot in this one and within, like, two or three turns from death, but I had, like all the essential mana rampers and they didn't have any removal so to speak of so i oh, i, I oh tap no. dirty i tap oh, no. so that i can cuz if i remember correctly nykthos had cost 2 mana i think to to tap um so i use some of that mana to tap then i use voyaging satyr tap that yes. to untap nykthos then i use another Another voyaging. Do it Seder. again. Do it again. Uh, yeah. And by the end of it, I think the Hydra Broodmaster ended up spawning in twenty-eight, twenty-eight, twenty-eight Hydra tokens, and my friend just scooped up his cards and walked away from me. <laughs> now here's the thing. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Not only can you do this but you get a haste engine so if you're in a red green deck like i was you get uh anger and if anger is in your graveyard mm-hmm. and you have a mountain in play just a mountain mm. everything has haste so you do this main oh. phase one then you put the throne of tarkir on the hydra broodmaster now, because you have to some extra mana you have to spend to equip and use the Throne of Tarkir, you have less. So you'll have, probably if you do everything in one play, you'll probably only mm-hmm. have 20, 20, 20 Hydras. But, with the Throne of Tarkir's ability, everything gets whatever the power and toughness is that a Throne of Tarkir is equipped to you mm-hmm. and trample. So, you now you've given your 20... 2020 hydras 20 plus 7 because it's a 7 7 27 27 and trample so they're now 47 47s with trample that's just and haste pure evil. Oh. that <laughs> was my deck yeah I, that was in what the fact that now morg <clears throat> let me show you i have every hydra in chronological oh, order from print what the f- I'm not gonna up swear. to nine copies. Um, but yeah, holy crap! So if you notice, they start as red okay. mm-hmm. in early Magic. Then we get into green white, which you can't see really yeah. well. Then you have red, red, green, and then here they start becoming green. Okay. And then they're just green for most of the time out. Although Progenitus is five color, yeah. it's hard to see with the glare, but. Um, I'm trying to remember which... Yeah, I have every Hydra. Now, this is Binder 1. Oh, there geez. is a Binder 2 that has the rest of them. And this is in chronological order. One page per Hydra. I have to ask, 15. Ace. Um, 
have you ever thought of like making like a man ramp deck that uses utilizes like all the potential of green, but then like the destructive power of red to make a grawl deck where it's just like casting like high end spells that just do stupid amounts of damage? That's pretty much every grawl deck there is. I in mean... my playing, um, I used to be more in the loop okay. in like my yeah. high school and early college days, but those days are behind me <laughs> because. Nice, I'd rather sink my money into uh, Monster Hunter than Magic, because Magic, there's just too yeah, many sets magic and too, is many, awfully expensive. too many things that I'd want to get into knowing myself. Yes, mm-hmm. I have that That's one true. as well as the Volcano one. Yeah, I really like them. I actually recreated the uh, Steelbook yeah. visual with them. Mm-hmm. Nice. That is sick. I like that. Totally sick. Oh. All right, Morg, hit us with your next story. Oh. We're only like into story two, and it's over an How's hour into the show. Well, I, I honestly really wish that I more, so. that I had more stories from my magic okay. decks, but like, I mean, I only have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, I was getting worried nine, about that two, four. Like, I think I only got like twelve decks, and I haven't really used any of them. Um. I know. It's, it's a very small amount. It's not that much. I got, like, five, and my most recent one is a death deck from, like, the first uh, set from mm. Theros. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I haven't really touched the game since Theros. Well, my uh, my brother is what they describe as a whale in the um, gotcha industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, the I will not disclose the amount of money he spends on magic, because... It would be irresponsible <laughs> to do so. Yeah. Um, but let's just Does say, he play magic the if there's arena? ever a card, he's a, he's a Magic the Gathering player. No. It's, it can be assumed. But he doesn't play arena. Mm, no, he does not play oh, arena. He does not oh like to God. play online. You'd go bankrupt if you if you ever played arena because yeah, there's a lot of gotcha elements to that game. He is, he is physical. Only. Okay, good, um, good, good, good. So, and with COVID, that really toned down. But he still buys. At least a box every set. It used mm-hmm. to be a case every oh, set. Oh, wow. Which, if you don't know, uh, a case is six boxes. That so, is insane. Um, Jesus. And I'm saying at least. There was more. Um, yeah, like I said, I won't say the amount of money he spends <laughs> on it because it's just... Yeah. It's up to him to disclose. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, God. what's your story? Who's next? Okay. okay. So, Morg. I'm going to get into a story where I was... Um, it was a it was a it was a um, it was a homebrew campaign that uh, a friend of mine did, um, where it was kind of mm. like almost like uh, what is it uh, War of Roses elements to it, where um, sure, well um, it, it's a little bit more complicated than that, where like um, uh, the king was kind of sleeping around a lot, and so he had all these illegitimate heirs all over the place or whatever, but like uh, the queen was a total bitch. And she uh, wanted to make sure that her son got on and stayed on the throne and was staying in power, or whatever. Um, and then there were all these yeah. other crazy factions that were involved as well. Um, and as we were like going through all the different factions, you know, helping people out and stuff like that, we we were trying to decide, well, uh, who's who's going to be the one on top at the very end. And so um, we got to a point where we were in like this city that was primarily um, spellcasters. 
and the yeah. and like the main leader, like the big grand wizard, uh, his daughter was sick, and he used magic in order to prevent her from passing on into the into the afterlife or whatever. But what what he didn't realize was that she was actually intended to die, so in that way she could take place amongst the other angels because she was an angel incarnate that was on Earth for too long or whatever, or you know, like for a while, hmm. and um, it was her time to move on, so in that way she could take place in the in the battle but, uh, against demons and such like that. So what happened was this angel like, like goes Kenny and abducts. And yeah. So what happens is the angel goes and abducts the child from the spellcasters, and then you know he's about to you know recite a, a ritual that uh, you know takes the spell off of her that keeps her bound um, to the material plane. But while she's like still alive, she's like suffering from like this horrible magical curse or whatever. It is like magical feedback for whatever. And like um, the the old grand wizard, because you know he's very ignorant, he doesn't believe in an afterlife and stuff like that. He doesn't want to let her go, so he sends us to go and deal with this freaking uh, archangel, and <laughs> and I was playing as this um, uh, this druid called Drazil, who believes in the natural order of things, which is like you know the balance between life and death and good and evil, and that you know and there is merit to everything existing, and that things that happen naturally are supposed to happen without n interference and stuff like that, because that's the way things are, that's the way they're supposed to be. You know, believes in absolute balance, you know, nature being fair, beautiful and cruel and terrifying at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, while the party is trying to coax this uh, this angel to let, to let the child go, he's explaining, no, we we need the child. You know, she was she was the highest amongst our mm -hmm. ranks. And, you know, without her, you know, we can't uh, win this this war. And so Drazil, you know, he's kind of going around the side, whatever, and he's listening in. And then all of a sudden the Grand Wizard comes in, you know, and then he's like getting, going all crazy, all rampage through, just like, you know, give me back my kid. And he's casting spells and stuff like that. And like, just as like he's about to cast a spell that's gonna hit hit the uh, the angel. Everybody's like, "No, we gotta stop this guy!" And instead, what Drazil does is he blocks the shot for an archangel, and he's like, "Stop! You must find peace and stuff like that." And when I did that, I caught the GM and all my party off guard. They were like, "You're taking the shot for the archangel!" Why? And I'm like. And, you know, it was absolutely necessary. And then all of a sudden, like, the the wizards, like, just stops, and then the angel stops, and everybody stops. They're like, what the hell is going on, whatever. And then, and then Drizzle, he just, like, turns to the angel, and he's like, be merciful to the old man. He doesn't understand. He may be old in body, but he is young and inexperienced <laughs> in mind. He does not carry the wisdom, you know, to understand. You have to... To, you have to explain this to him, you know, that it's okay, mm -hmm. that everything is all right, and stuff like that, you know, and then, like, you know, oh, then, you know, to have mercy on him, you know, to treat him as if he was a boy that needs to be, you know, that needs a lesson explained to him. And so the DM... Oh my god! And this actually led into a beautiful moment where the you know of the session of the session where everybody was taught a lesson of forgiveness and understanding and compassion and higher learning. And oh my god, the moment was oh it was so beautiful. Everybody cried. 
<laughs> it was so funny. Everybody was in tears as the GM was explaining this uh. this miraculous moment where the angel just embraces him and is like, "It's okay." And the old man is crying in the arms of this, you know, this powerful being, you know, as you know, he's explaining, you know, and nurturing him, and you know, you know, being, you know, being there for him in a way that you know he really needed him because. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot to explain that the grandmaster's uh, wife died prematurely and all he had was mm. the kid and you know without the kid he wouldn't have a family to hold on to anymore and he couldn't afford to let go of that i'll be right back. and so that was why he used magic to keep her you know with him and so yeah like wow it that was one of the most powerful moments it, it, that i ever experienced in a D session and i got like so much inspiration that's for a pretty it. good one <laughs> it was miraculous oh Beautiful moment. That's awesome. Great things can come out of D&D. A lot of cool lessons. It's true. Uh, I'm going to go for a funny one. Oh, I'm excited. Um, so, um, a little bit of backstory to my screen name, Fortuan. It was my first D&D character ever, and I reincarnate him through different uh, campaigns and versions and whatnot. And Fortuan is just a human rogue. Okay. And... Um, <clears throat> I literally, I was trying to make my first D&D character in first edition, by the way. Um, and my dad had a character generator and I was looking at the keyboard and I was thinking like all these character names for games I made up all the time. And I was like, what haven't I used? And I was going to like, I'm going to start with a letter F. Okay. I got to go with a vowel. O. and I went. R-T. <sighs> and I was thinking about my name. And I went, U-A. Because in, in, if you line up my real name and Fortuan, U-A are in the same spot. Wow. And then I went, N. And I went, N. Fortuan. There you go. And then that is how Fortuan came up to be. And then I've been that, that online since. So, like, I've had that screen name since I was, like... 15 um and i started using it when i was 13 um, that's a pretty sick name by the way so thanks for uh, the longest time i thought it was some like reference to fortran trading like coding like a coding language fortran. no 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 no. i was a coder i did not know that fortran existed and uh but when i made this i i uh, i knew html <laughs> i knew that um but um uh, so I'm playing one of the iterations of Fortuan in third edition and my brother is the DM and we are fighting. I don't remember what it was, but something in a hallway. It's only a, like a 10 foot hallway. Okay. And I was known for being a rogue and what you need to sneak attack is to hide in third edition. There's no, all oh, because I have advantage, I get to do the bonus damage. It is, you have to be hidden. Um, and that's the way it was in a lot of older versions as well. So I go, and I have this move where I do an acrobatics check where I run up on the wall to get around things and jump behind them so I can flank. Okay, now that's um, awesome. I miss flanking I, rules, actually, by the way. A little bit. I'm not talking I mean, about, like, 3.5 flanking. Wait. Oh, wait. No, was it 3.5 about... that had, like, it where it was, like, plus for this and minus for that and all this, it's like, plus complicated two. stuff? It's plus two for flanking. 
plus two I, for flanking and three I plus hate, five. In fifth edition, it's advantage. I don't do flanking because it just turns every fight into being a fucking conga line <laughs> of death. <laughs> every I like fight. Stray State said several of your Doom stories start with a ten foot hallway as well. Yeah, it's fair. Um, so, um, so I go to say, like, I'm going to do this move where I wall run and get behind him. And, uh, I go, okay. And I called it my signature move because it's the thing that my character did all the time. Cause he, his weapons were a long sword and a dagger. So he, he dual wielded and that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to do my signature move and my friend, um, different guy um larry let's just say larry um <laughs> these are all base uh, names, not man. his real name i mean his the my, his the names i'm covering names. up are also i don't remember the, okay like, fine i keep going it, gary he didn't care about his characters i didn't care about his character he was just a guy that we played with um he always just played a fighter with nothing so I was like, I'm going to do my signature move. And he just slams a table and goes, what, hide? And I'm like, no, I was going to, and then everyone's just laughing. And like, no one, no one could focus. Like, uh, so every time I say that I'm going to do my signature move, it was just now people <laughs> me hiding. Like, that's what people, and I was like, but no, it's the wall run thing. I swear. Like. It was it was so funny. Like even I admitted it, it was True. funny because it's it was True. a bash on me hiding all the time. But like, I was like, ah oh, man, why'd you do that? Like, and they were just so yeah. My signature move mm. apparently became hiding. Um, <laughs> I I did succeed. I did succeed at that check though and get behind it. I don't remember that. I think we won, but like it wasn't it. The, the actual success of the role was far less important than the than uh, mm -hmm. Larry's joke there. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my second story. A lot of my stories are as characters. Honestly, I I, I identify more as a player than a DM. I've always DM'd out of necessity because no one else learned how to do it, and I've been doing it since I was like thirteen. And I'm the only mm. one who read the books when I was thirteen. So you have to be like a human operating system almost kind of complicated i mean there there is there is um there is enjoyment in being a dm somewhat of like crafting a story and yeah and pan's really good at it really good at thinking about the, all that kind of stuff but for me i prefer to be a player like i don't i did i did a pretty grand thing with the podcast one we did i feel but like it's just a lot of energy and time that that i don't really feel like putting into it all the time whereas it's not it's not as enjoyable for me as other people so most of my stuff is is enjoyable as a player rather than a dm no i, I think you did Although a pretty the first good job was, like was me as a all, DM. The, all the fights that we were in there were pretty no well i don't balanced. think i don't think i'm bad i just don't enjoy it as much i like setting up impossible yeah. scenarios for my uh for my campaigns. And when I say campaigns, I just mean the one that failed absolutely miserably. But I'm going to make a comeback. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, I did TPK a whole 4th edition party with the Grick Pit. And uh, if you guys read my ecology of the Grick, it appears in the ecology. 
So there you go. Nice. Hey, it's True Zenogre. Hello. True. Um. How you doing, bud? Uh. So yeah, Pan, your third story. All right. So this is a. This story is one of the first times I did a sort of slow burn on one of my players. Fortwan, you've heard the story a few times, and I've posted the associated video in the post episode discussion channel on the Discord. So you know, if you guys uh, mm-hmm. listening along, if you want to see the players' actual IRL reaction to this, I recorded it at the time. It oh happened. yeah, I love this one. This is one of my favorite yeah. stories of yours. So, uh, by the way, the person in question is the player who was the paladin from the egg incident. Mm-hmm. But he's on a whole new character. This is this this is like a couple years later. He's on a new character. He is Brock Stonefist, <laughs> uh, who is a he he sees he's a bounty hunter. He basically decided he was like Dog the Bounty Hunter if Dog the Bounty Hunter was a dwarf. And yeah. um but the the thing is is that he told me when he made the character, I want this guy to have amnesia and I want you to do something with that. Mm. Oh boy. So, <laughs> DM that much power over last your character words. is a really scary thing. It is, and for for a while, I, I didn't do anything with it because I wanted to sit on it and think for a while. And we just kind of continued, and he kept being like, so what, what's the deal with his amnesia? I'm like, I haven't, I, don't worry, it's coming, don't worry. I've got something in mind. I didn't have it in mind yet. But yet. Um, one of the, a sort of running theme across all my games, um, I really like trapped doors, like doors that like bite back or slam down on you or explode when you touch the doorknob or... Um, you know, ye old hot doorknob, mm-hmm. things like that. When you said a door that bites back, I can't help but think of like just like a door that's just made of teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so, like <laughs> airlock doors, but it's like just a jaws. mimic. <laughs> a mimic door. Oh my, that is disgusting. I've done that. Like yeah. I've had a mimic door. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, one of my chomp, favorite chomp, door chomp. traps. One of my favorite door traps uh, is what uh, what we, we fondly begin to call the dagger lock, and what it is, it is non-magical because you can't you can't see it uh, uh, with detect magic. It is completely and utterly mechanical, and it is a hidden contraption inside of the door where if you don't disengage the trap and you go to try the doorknob, a knife will spring out of the uh, keyhole and slice open mm. your hand. Or if you fail mm. the lock picking check by enough, it will slice up your fingers or poke Ooh. you in the eye. What a mean! Mm. <laughs> what a bully! Now, she said bite back. She said bite now, back. Now, um, this was one of my favorite things to do because my players all the time they'd be like, "Well, I try the doorknob. Oh shit!" <laughs> Oops. Yeah, they they do it every time. Yeah, and I'm like, "All right, make your deck safe." I started letting them make deck saves because, like, their characters got savvy to to dagger locks. But, uh, anyways, um, but seriously, every fucking door. If it doesn't matter if it's in if it's in literal hell or if it's like at the gatehouse of Shangri La, every door between somewhere, someone somewhere has made a goddamn fortune designing and building uh, these dagger locks for mm-hmm. fucking everybody. Yes. Yeah. So, uh. Now the the guy the guy who decided he was a uh, he was um, a bounty hunter, he's a barbarian and uh, he took some background that gave him lockpicking. So he decided he was the party lockpicker instead of the bard. A barbarian with decks? No. Hmm. He did not have decks. Just 
Just a barbarian. Uh, so he was a really shit lock picker. He probably yeah. should have let the bard do the lock picking, but he really wanted to be the guy who did the lock picking. Yeah, I figured so, he probably wouldn't be doing very good. No, he was a really shitty lock picker. So he kept getting stung by these dagger locks because he would fail by more than five points on his lock picking checks, and he'd get like he'd get like a dagger to the face or slice open his hand or something like that. And then the bard would roll his eyes, and he would go over and pick the lock. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so fair I'm the designated lock picker. <laughs> ah, don't uh, I'll deal with it. I'll so, deal with bar coating. <laughs> okay, the cler- let's go. Designated yeah. lock picker. Yeah, meanwhile, like the you know, the the cleric is over here like you know. Yeah. So one day, uh <clears throat> he got after he got like sliced like he, he tried to dodge, so it like cut across his face and chopped off like the tip of his mm. nose or something. The player just lost his shit. He said, and I, I wrote it down for posterity, so I'll, I'll quote him directly here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I skipped ahead. I missed something. So one day, oh. uh, they they have been contracted to... Uh, they're they're going to go meet this shady individual at this abandoned manor. And they do a little bit of research about the manor, and someone says, oh, that's old Daggerlock Manor. They didn't... Mm-hmm. That's old Daggerlock Manor. And they're like, oh, okay. The guy they who go invented up. them. That, that place has been abandoned for years. Um, that place has been abandoned for years. And so they, they, go, they, go to go to, they go up to the front door. And on the front door is the, the family seal, which is a, a, the, a depiction of a skewered hand with blood drop, mm. dripping from it. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the barbarian, he goes up to you know, pick the lock. And uh, he fails, and it, sta- it slices him across the face. And that's when he loses his shit. And he says, Fuck this dagger lock guy. Fuck the inventor of this trap. Fuck his family. Fuck his wife's family. Fuck all the gold they made on this. I'm going to get a chronomancer to send me back in time so I can terminate this motherfucker by repeatedly kicking his dad in the nads. I will raise this manor to the ground and piss on the ashes. Nobody will dare speak the name of dagger lock. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh boy. So a beautiful oath of vengeance yes. right there. Yes. So uh, we gave him a minute to cool down, like go get a drink of water, because he was actually like personally a little worked up. The party went inside. Uh, the shady individual says, "All right, I want you to go break into this vault. Uh, this vault that belongs to uh, the Neuromancers Guild, and uh, they have they have memories locked up in their vault. So I want you to go find the memories of Dale Daggerlock and bring them to me." They, they contain trade secrets, and I need to know how dagger locks are made. And they're like, oh, perfect, perfect. We're going to leak these secrets out to the world, and they'll never make money again, and all the dagger locks everywhere will just instantly get picked. So they, they break into the vault, they do their dungeon run, and uh, they, they, find, they find the room where Dale Daggerlock's memories are being stored. And the barbarian just charges right in, flips open the lid, and goes, reaches in to grab the memories, and they all suddenly flow back into his mind, and he remembers his childhood and his dear beloved father, Dale Daggerlock. <laughs> Yay! The prodigal son has returned! And he realizes he is Dale Daggerlock Jr. Oh, perfect. So he basically just... Yeah. Uh, the neuromancers like uh put him into hiding because a crazed adventurer angry at the uh, at what had, uh the daggerlocks had done to him came and slaughtered the family and so the neuromancers took the kids memories away and like put him into hiding so that nobody would find him. 
That oh, is brilliant. No. Yeah. And then, yeah, and so I posted in the post-episode discussion channel uh, where you guys can uh, see the act- the player's actual reaction. Um, but we got to move the pod chat along so you guys watch it while somebody is talking about something boring. I don't know. Oh, my like, God. Like, if you two want to see this. <laughs> Fortwan's seen it a few times. I have. It's it's very good. His reaction is gold. Um, yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ace, do you, you uh, your um, final so one, I guess? this one is a bit more recent because it's on MTG Arena where it happened. Um, I've been casually delving mm-hmm. into deck building and playing through on there and getting my ass handed to me with randoms on the internet. Um, but it, I have a mono white deck that I sort of main in that game right now. Um, and one round... Uh, we, me and this random got into like a really weird like, will I, won't I, will I, won't I, will you, won't you, type thing, <laughs> because mm-hmm. we each we were each in mm-hmm. like a bad situation, of like I had a bunch of flyers, and they had a bunch of ground troops, and so we got into like a ten to fifteen turn loop, of neither one of us attacking because I wanted to keep my flyers for defense because I didn't have anything that had uh, uh, what is it uh, where you don't tap I'm blanking right now uh, vigilance okay yeah that's what it is vigilance? yeah it is vigilance yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. have anything with vigilance so I was like uh, I don't really want to attack in the air if it means I'm gonna get slogged on the ground um, so this went on for 10 to 15 turns until finally I got enough mana and enough good cards that I was able to mount up a decent force and then I swung with everything in just the off chance Mm -hmm. and they didn't block anything and because I I had lifelink on and I think I had like a double your attack card or something like that I wound it up taking them out like negative 54 to like 60 oh, something no. and i was oh like gosh. no what have i done i'm an asshole <laughs> so nah you don't, yeah, it's a it's a head-to-head game right like you're you're there to win that's that's one thing that i mm-hmm. struggled with when i was playing early on yeah that, like, like you don't you you don't you don't need to worry about being an asshole unless you're actually playing like meta deck specifically to dismantle like, somebody harm someone. very slowly. Like those yeah, decks can be um, very mean. I have a lot of self-imposed rules because I don't like certain cards mm-hmm. like Eldrazi. I hate Eldrazi. Oh, the Eldrazi are I think so, they're too powerful. They're so powerful. Oh, do you play Infect decks? Um have you ever tried an Infect deck? Uh no, I do not play Infect decks, but I do have... There are a few Infect cards. So I had a Xenagos deck for a long time, and Xenagos, to describe, um, is a card that... At the beginning of combat, choose a creature, give it haste, and double its... Uh, give it power and toughness equal to its power. So essentially double its power. And I had an Infect card. It was a 5-1 mm-hmm. with Infect. So if you double it, it's 10 mm, Infect. They're yeah. dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because all you need is, like, 10 Poison Counters, and then they immediately die. And I think they also um, 
attribute uh, negative one, negative one counters uh, towards monsters as well, whenever or creatures. I mean, whenever uh, they block. Yeah, if they if they choose the block, but I make it. So I only put mm-hmm. down that card because it has haste. Um, I only put down that card to yeah. knock someone out quickly, uh, especially if they're being kind of a Although, a problem pan. for everybody. Fact, cards, yeah. Um, but I, to your point earlier, but I I do have though. Go ahead. I made it on tappedout.net. Um, I have a blue black modern mill deck that is made for sheer dickishness, <gasps> and I've never been able to like oh. proxy play with anyone else. But playing against my own decks, the fastest that I've been able to mill out a normal 60-card deck is turn 4 or 5. Mill decks are disgusting. <laughs> I hate mill decks. Unless I'm playing a mill deck, in which case it's fun. But <laughs> Here, here's one of the things. I, um, Gyrus Waker of Corpses is an anti-mill deck. Mm-hmm. Because his ability is, whenever he attacks, he brings something back from the graveyard that is less than or equal to, less than his power. So you just get to bring something back for free, and there's a lot of stuff that allows the stuff mm-hmm. to keep, keep on the deck. Jun decks, yeah. decks okay. are also really good against uh, milling decks, because like you can um, activate cards from your graveyard if they've you know, got the right abilities. Yeah, yeah. You can always, um, you know, use your graveyard as a a resource, not just your deck or your hand. So it's, I like those. Those are pretty fun. Isn't there a a Black Planeswalker, like Leliana something or other, one of her powers is that she deals damage to the player equal to the number of creatures in the graveyards? Mm. Uh, There might might be be a Planeswalker like that. Yeah, I, I seem to recall something if, like that, because one of my friends was super into milling for a while until I bought that card and just made him <laughs> shut the fuck up with it. Now, <laughs> I know there is a card says. that is equal to... There is a card that is equal to the amount of cards in all graveyards. Mm. It's power and toughness. Interesting. There is Maybe that. that's what I'm remembering. Just I know there's cards. a picture of Leliana on yeah. it, or whatever the hell her name is. I had that... Liliana, Liliana that's yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I don't know which one. There's so many Lilianas. Yeah, so. there's a ton of them. So, so Morg, what's uh, what's your third story? Oh boy, are you guys ready for Tongo? Is it Tongo time? Yes, I think. It's I like Tongo how we picked this up because we're on, we in 30 minutes we got through a couple stories. Okay, so I'm gonna make this one very quick. Okay, so I designed a mm-hmm. Tortle Druid. You know, he's got a decent wisdom bonus or whatever, but he's got, like, I think the lowest intelligence score that I have ever had of any characters, and so I decided to make it so that he was something of a wise ass, but, like, in a way where he didn't actually consciously know that he was being wise ass. He was incredibly stupid, so I gave him, like, you know, a bullwinkle moose kind of, like, accent, where he kind of talk like this. And so that's literally the character that I played throughout this entire session when we were in Cholt. And so he had an armor class of 19 because of, like, his shell and a shield, and he would just kind of go around just casting stupid spells, you know, animating plants, talking to them, using good berries, like, as if they were, like, crack rock. And, like, he would just go absolutely nuts. Like, I think he was inadvertently responsible for the death of, like, oh, what was it? Uh, Nine or ten characters that people had to make. Because we had to make a bunch of back back characters and stuff like that. Because it's Cholt, it's stupidly Mm -hmm. hard. Um, there have been a lot of uh, instances where Tongo has, like, gotten the party in trouble. And even himself... And he found, like, some of the most ridiculous ways of being able to get out of them. One of the instances was where he was actually getting chomped on by a T-Rex, 
and his head was stuck inside the T-Rex's mouth. <laughs> and he was a summoner, for the most part. Um, I think it was a, uh, a druid, a circle of dreams. And so, like, he would provide healing and stuff like that for the party, which was really, really handy, having a really tanky healer. So he kind of functioned like a cleric of anything. Um, and while he's inside this T-Rex's mouth, he can't cast any spells to target anybody or to, you know, to help anybody out. And so the DM thought he got me. Right. What I did was I asked him, can I summon um, Velociraptors? And he said, you can only cast them where you can see them. And I, and I, I responded, that's the point. <laughs> and then the DM's eyes just widened. He was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to let this play out. <laughs> and so what happened was I summoned eight velociraptors inside the throat of the T-Rex. And, like, of course, they're thrashing around inside whatever because they're struggling to break free. So you got a whole bunch of these velociraptors clawing in the inside of this T-Rex's throat. You know, he's choking on them and whatever. Spits out um, Tongo, and it just dies, like, in, like, the next turn. It was absolutely ridiculous. Such a funny experience. But then, like, as we went on, you know, the DM kept finding, like, interesting ways to try and kill off Tongo because he just, you know, everybody was getting sick of him because he was just so dumb. <laughs> like, activating traps uh -huh. un unintentionally, you know, failing deck saves because, you know, his dexterity is so damn low. Um, and then, you know, it got to the point where he, the, the DM had killed so many of everybody else's characters off with all these stupid traps and all these encounters. He was like, you know what, I just give up. I'm just going to let this play through, whatever. So, Tongo... Yeah. Uh, well, there's like there was like this um, obstacle that we had to get through, and it was a giant propeller that would lead to the other side, whatever. Tongo, thinking that he's so smart, he's going to transform into a seagull and then fly through the propeller and come out just fine. He didn't. He took damage for that, and he wasn't at full health. So, but everybody's like, yeah, you know, what, let's just keep going. There was a trap at the very end of it that we had to figure out the combination for in order to be able to push through, and. Um, there was a black box, a, a sort of like a steely gray, steely gray, icy looking box, and then there was another box. I can't remember what it was. What we did was we opened the boxes, and inside of the boxes were a bunch of levers. Inside those levers, mm -hmm. then you'd have you'd have to be inside the box, and then you'd have to twist the levers or whatever, and then it would cause like other buttons and levers to show up or whatever, and then you'd have to activate those. Tongo decides to go inside the big black box. It was BRB. a bad idea. You don't go into the big black box. Um, so he goes yeah. inside. He jumps inside. He's like, okay, yeah, everything's all just fine. Closes the box on himself. Pulls the lever whatever. And he's like, okay. And then they're like, hey, there's a lever here. And he's like, yep, go ahead, flip it. They flip it. Tongo takes 77 necrotic damage from it. And he had 76 health. Everybody thought he was going to survive it. Everybody mm. thought he was going to be okay. No. And I was like, well, I guess I'm dead, guys. And then the DM's like, oh, no, it's much worse than that. And I'm like, what? And he's like, that was a box of disintegration. <laughs> and we were all like, oh, you're gone forever. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, There's my no God, resurrection we killed from him! that, buddy. And then everybody's like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> We have ended Tongo! And everybody just burst out laughing. 
we were like, oh, this is amazing. Everybody was just crying, laughing. Like, the one guy was just had red face. He was laughing so hard he couldn't breathe. And we were all like, let's take a break. Go out into the backyard and just, like, cook some burgers and hot dogs or whatever. <laughs> that was a moment for, of celebration for oh, everybody. Geez. We were like, finally, at last, we, we finished Tongo off. It was so damn funny. Oh, my God. Ooh. Oh, man. Yep, I thought it was really funny. Everybody like, oh yeah, no, no, he can handle it. 77 damage. I'm like, no, no, I had 76 health. And they were like, oh my god, you're dead? And I'm like, yep, yep. Nope, nope, you're disintegrated. <laughs> Open up the box and there's just nothing but like piles Super of ash. Dead. And like, <laughs> what was left of his clothes. <laughs> oh wait, no, he didn't wear clothes. He was nude the whole time. I completely forgot. Yeah, because he's a turtle. He could just mm. suck everything in, so that way he's appropriate. But yeah, oh my god, it was really, really funny. Holy crap. Ah, good times. Okay. Uh, so, uh, story number three for me is, um... It's... It, so I have been known to play not standard characters with people that, that, that DM with me. Especially my brother. Um... So in third edition, three five specifically, I played uh, a monstrous class mm. of a centaur. Ooh. Oh, that's a fun one to play. I love playing as a. Oh wait, no, I haven't played it personally, but we had a we had a guy who uh, who likes playing as minotaurs. They're real fun. So no centaur. Oh wait, yeah, centaur. Not minotaur. Centaur. Horse people. Yes. Yeah. So yes. So I played as a centaur druid. <sighs> And most people take druids as uh, healers, like you're saying, or... Or, like, shapeshifters, um, yeah. Shapeshifters or... Or stoners. Uh, companion heavy. Or stoners. Yeah. Or com uh, or they really heavily rely on summoning in their companion and stuff. My companion was a fox. That fox did shit. <laughs> it didn't do anything. I was a horseman. Uh, I didn't need that fox. <laughs> the fox did shit. I was a horse. So do you do like mock? Yeah. Do, so, you do like mock fox hunts and stuff like that? You just summon the fox and you're like, "How tell me?" No. Send the it acted, out and start, it acted you know, as a shooting around. It had high perception and high stealth, so it was a scout. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah. So what it, what it was, and it also lived in my saddlebag. Because I had a saddlebag, because I was a horse. So, um, but I got made fun of. I got reamed by my friends for being a horse. They called me fat ass and everything. Because it's like, so what? So like, we had to figure out things that normally, like across a rope bridge. It's like, yeah, I, I'm two thousand five hundred pounds because I'm right. a horse. Like, like so we had to figure out challenges like that. Uh, that's. But this character of anything was more of a caster druid. As in, I was an offensive druid with druidic magic. And it was actually pretty powerful, and no one believed me. They just called me fat all the time. So, um, to explain, though, I may be overweight now, but I was super skinny in high school. Like, I was I was not this way. This I is seen your a bunch throwback of, pic. This is college. Yeah. This is, this is college. The college and on is what happened to me here. But, uh, um... So it was just a funny joke to call me fat. Um, but, like, uh, w we got into this fight with a pit fiend, right? And it's coming after us. I can't remember the reasoning, 
but we're like big demon, right? Yeah, yeah. Pit fiend is basically supposed to be a Balrog. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Per- yeah so no, it's that's bad. It's it, it, so I mean we are equivalent level fifteen at this time. So this okay, isn't so yeah, terrible. so that's, a, that's an appropriate fight then. Okay, that's actually right. decent. But uh, it was still going to be challenging, right? It was still going to be. We were still like, oh no, he caught up to us. So he caught up to us in this like open field, right? So we didn't have a lot of cover and that kind of stuff, and um, so I was like, okay, so what are we gonna do? <laughs> you were a Dothraki so, in the open field. It's a it's a Game of Thrones. It's a Game of Thrones meme. Oh yeah, sorry. It's a Game of yeah, Thrones meme. <laughs> Uh, I actually made a Game of Thrones joke about my dog today because my dog likes to run outside when my parents were leaving. They were like, "Hey, hold the dog so he doesn't get out." And I was like, "Hold the oh, dog! No, hold the dog!" <laughs> <laughs> my dad's like, "Why does that sound familiar? Hold the door, hold hold door." Hold In this door. case, it would be hot dog. Uh, and yeah, hot dog. I mean, hot she dog, is a she is a hot dog. <laughs> I, I'd show her off, but she's sleeping right there. I just right got there. some coffee Anyways. in my nose. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, um, anyway, so we're, we're fighting this pit fiend and it's going pretty well. Uh, I think my friend, um, um, I, I think I will say his name, Matt, uh, cause he's on the magic podcast we do together and we t- talk to him as Matt. Um, Matt was like an archer and like an elven archer, sort of generic. They always like to play. Most of my friends like to play within the base things cause I mean, I've done that recently where I've gone less crazy because I'm tired of people doing broken things and doing, like, if you do this, 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 and you get this, like, I just, like, you know, I just want to play D&D. Like, I want to play standard D&D and make an interesting character, which my next story will play off of that. But this one, I was a centaur. So we're fighting the pit fiend. It's my turn, and they're like, okay, so what are you going to do, fat ass? And I'm like, okay. I'm going to cast a spell, and it was a new one for me at the time, because it was in one of the newer rule books called Sudden Stalagmite. Ooh. <gasps> Big spike. What it is, is is you rise a spike <laughs> up the ground. Well, it pierced the demon. Oh. Now, here's the thing. They made fun of me for my ineptitude all the time, even though I did pretty well, because uh, everyone was out damaging me all the time, because I was hampered from being a centaur from a monstrous race, because monstrous races have to level up as the monstrous race until they can take their class levels so like equivalent i was only like um level 15 i was probably only like a level 10 sorcerer so or was druid Druid, sorry druid yeah um so I, i i i was behind on spell levels too so i finally got this and the sudden stalagmite which technically was a lower spell level than this this demon could normally worry about um just right up through him stabs him and he's stuck now the (laughs) rules for this spell is if you're pierced on it you can get out in two ways an escape attempt or strength and if you do strength you take slicing damage because you broke this the the tip off in yourself okay so he proceeds escape attempts for seven rounds. <laughs> While well, we all stood at a distance nice. and pelted him because the pit fiend had zero access to his whip. Uh, Baylor's the the other one with the whip. Pit fiends are just the big bat looking ones, the big fat ones. Okay. I, I just I got those flipped in my mind. Um 
So he couldn't do it. He had to be in melee to do it much. And he had some things, but like he couldn't do it. So every turn he's mm-hmm. trying to struggle to get free and hurting himself in the process because he's pierced on a stalagmite. And he finally gets out on his last one. He does the strength check instead. He's like, I'm strong enough. I'm just going to do it. But he wanted to avoid hurting himself. Killed himself with the slicing <laughs> damage of the strength check. <laughs> nice. And I looked around the table and I was like, who's the fat ass now? And they all said you. But, um, of course they did. But, uh, yeah, but like, I still, I still totally wanted that fight when they were calling me underpowered all the time. So I was like, yeah. And that was the one thing about that Durid is I like to use spells in different ways. I very much as a caster, like being utilitarian on top of things. So like one of the things my uh, brother, he didn't like it, but he was like, it makes sense. Um, there's a spell that's like entangling roots. So it, uh, a thing around you creates a bunch of roots mm-hmm. that entangle things, right? But you and your allies can freely walk them on them. And we did. We had lost a bridge. Like a bridge had went out. So like, so if I cast entangling roots on the edge, it's more than a thirty feet gap. It's le- it's a thirty foot gap, right? So my range is thirty feet on the spell. So did I just entangling roots to the other side of the ravine? And he was like, that's not how that spell works. I was like, would it reach there? He's like, yes. So that means there's roots there? He's like, yes. So we can walk across? And he's like, "Uh, yes. (laughs) So... There was there was a lot of that with that uh, centaur. So uh, with that, we'll move on to story four for Pan. Uh, Ace, you said you're out. Morg, do you have more? I'm thinking. Um, I think. Oh wait, yeah, I do have one well, more. Think about I got it. One well, more. It's a quick one. Okay. 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 So Pan, you're up. Number four. Okay. Uh, real quick, before I launch into this story four, Twan, I want to make sure that you read that comment I left in the planning channel. Uh, I can't because the oh, stream. Okay. All right, well, uh, real quick, uh, you're going to recognize parts of this story. Uh, don't elaborate where you can because my husband's watching the stream. Understood. Okay. I'll explain the rest to you guys later. But uh, I think I know what this is based <laughs> on that disclaimer. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, you can find uh, th- this This is centered around a dungeon that I designed uh, with the help of a couple of mutual friends of mine at Fort Twans. I call it the Vault of Malice. And uh, basically, uh, this the Vault of Malice, long, long time ago, it was uh, intended to... It was, it was a prison for this, like, eldritch being um, that... Uh, and basically, there were, like, nine sort of trials that a hero had to go through to prove that they were worthy of fighting the eldritch being. Uh, but as, as eons went on... Uh, Nobody was actually worthy of fighting the Eldritch Being, and his uh, sort of corrupting nature sort of twisted the uh, the trials into sort of more like just hateful things that are done to any hero that might come to try to slay the Eldritch Being. Mm-hmm. So, and because he is he's the the Eldritch Being uh, in at the center of this prison. Because his his power comes from like the world beyond reality, mm-hmm. basically, uh, I told the players, you know, uh, the thing, the trials you have to go through to get to to get to that bad guy at the center of this of this tr- these trials, 
the effects are permanent and un, un revocable irrevocable even except or except by wish so things that you mm. you do here can only be revoked mm. by wish and i told them this because wish is the ultimate power in in all of everything in my setting so anyways so that's that's the sort of setup uh one other thing to set up is that uh there's a recurring npc in my games his name is lord percival brightblade and i want you to imagine if captain america was a blood elf that's that's Lord Brightblade. Um, he was he was a sidekick uh, to one of the players at one point and became his personal bodyguard. Uh, but then that player became a god, so per- so Brightblade just kind of sallies forth and does good for the sake of being a good guy. And that's really all there is to him. He's he's basically a cool, badass, awesome guy. Now during the campaign that this uh, this event takes place in, uh, Lord Brightblade's daughter Ty. Uh, Basically, she's she wanted to be a rebe- rebellious, edgy teenager, thirty-year-old elf, and ran off with these adventures. And she's been hanging out with them. So uh, they decide they they for for various reasons they need to go and uh, destroy the Eldritch Abomination that lies at the center of the Vault of Malice. So uh, there. So Ty says, "Oh, my father. He kn- he should know a bit about this." So let, let's go speak with him, and over, over a shaky glass of whiskey, uh, Lord Brightblade, you know, he recounts this harrowing tale of how he faced many trials in there, but he just, and for some reason he can't remember the exact nature of the one that scared him away, but he mm. just, there was, there was a trial he couldn't bear to face, and so he hung his head in shame and retreated in defeat, knowing that all, everything he had sacrificed so far was just gone forever. So that, that kind of sobered them up a bit and that prepared them for what was ahead. So, and I've actually got my Reddit post pulled on this dungeon pulled up so that way I don't get the gates wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the very first gate they get to, um, it's just outside the entrance to the dungeon and it, uh, it says, you know, emblazoned above the gate, the gate of material wealth. Whosoever passes this gate must make a sacrifice of their material wealth. Ooh. So the players, they all look at each other and like, well, ah, it's just money. Sure. Um, so they all discuss this. Now, one of the players, whoever's doing that. Ace, stop it. You're breathing into the mic and we can hear you. Yeah. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they. I can't. Oh, my God. I'm trying to adjust <laughs> okay. for headache. Sorry. So, one of the one of the characters, uh, he is a forge cleric, and he's a very vain character. And he has actually he has this he's a forge cleric, so he has this basically solid yeah. gold armor. He's very upset about having to go through this gate because he's pretty sure his armor will just dissolve to pieces. And he is correct. But uh, there's there's a they spent about thirty minutes debating on how to deal with this, uh, but uh, they eventually they're like oh whatever you know what we're gonna get so well rewarded by defeating this abomination, fuck it let's go. So they pass through the gate and yeah. all the gold all the gold and silver in their inventory just disappears. It's gone. So that's sad. But uh, they 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 get through it and they get to the next gate called the gate of past the gate of the past. Whosoever would open this gate must recite a great deed that they have accomplished. And they're like, hmm. ah, crap. Okay. 
she's going to undo something. So they recite the the day that they uh, they freed the slaves of Chain Town off in the Pirate Isles and rescued this one princess. And so they recite that, and then uh, you know basically time and reality twist before them, and they are the only ones who remember that that happened uh, because it is complete. That act is undone. Mm. Oh and, no. Um, so that princess was never rescued from the Pirate Isles. In fact, she rescued, ended up rescuing herself and became an evil pirate lord. Oh, great. That is, story, nice. that is a story for another day. Uh, you might have heard me mention Liang Zhan Silver, uh, the Silver Dragonborn pirate. Liang he is her Zhan son. Silver. Oh, my God, yes. Nice. Yeah, Liang, <laughs> Liang Zhan the Silver Dragonborn is, uh, is her son and prince of the Pirate Isles right now. So they, they get through that gate, and they're, they're pretty upset about that. And uh, they uh, go to the next gate, and this gate is called the Gate of the Second Death. And uh, mm. that that is referencing this this sort of idea that uh, you know you don't truly die until the last time someone utters your name. Mm-hmm. So that and that is called the Second Death. So whosoever would open this gate will die the second death at the moment of their first death. Ooh. So they argue about that for a bit, and the bard says, all right, I'll do it. Um, which is actually pretty insane, because he's a bard. Yeah, yeah. But he does it. He does it. So they go through, and they get to the next gate. Whosoever would open this gate must speak the name of someone cherished and beloved. Oh, man. No. Just, oh, my God. You're evil! Yes. Well, that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. And while they are debating this, they look. They they while they are debating this, they look around and they realize that there's an exit. They can just walk right out, and they're free to go. But uh, while they're discussing this, they see propped up, uh, propped up against the wall. There is a skeleton in Paladin's armor, and uh, they go over to it, and they they begin examining it, and it's a. Uh, it's very, very exquisite, expensive, top-of-the-line mm. elven armor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they do a few more checks, and they figure out this bo- this skeleton is obviously an elven skeleton. Impossible to tell if male or female, because elves are very gender-fluid. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, they, real- they recognize, like, Ty goes white as a sheet. And, I mean, she's a blood elf, so she's orange, so... But she goes white as a sheet because she recognizes the device on this skeleton shield is her family crest. Mm. And she's like, I don't know who this could be. They all look at each other and they're like, who is this? They don't know who this is, but he's clearly a deceased member of the Brightblade family. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, well, back to the gate. So they they, they stuff the body in the bag of holding because they're going to properly bury him at the Brightblade estate later. I say him. It, it is a male character. Um, and uh, so they go back to the gate, and uh, this ghost apparates. He says, "Who are you?" And he, they're like, "Who? Are Beware, for this per- whom, whosoever you condemn with your words cannot be brought back even by means of wish." Ooh. And then they're like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Well, who are you?" I do not know my name. It has been forgot. It was forgotten by all that the moment of my death. Mm. Second death. I came in here with my brother, long, long ago. I 
Suppose he failed if you were here. And Brightblade did not mention at all going in with someone else. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, shit. He said his brother's name. So they put that together. So they, they debate for a while, and they, they eventually decide, you know, they're going to kill. One of them does it. One of the characters has a grandpa. And he, he has actually been, like, a, an NPC that has recurred several <laughs> times. So they kill off grandpa. Ooh, rough. Yeah. And he's actually... Uh, the, the player who killed off Grandpa, he's actually like, guys, I don't give a fuck who, what we have to sacrifice next. I'm done. I just killed my Grandpa, and there's no fucking way I'm letting any of you guys walk out of here alive because if you decide to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, he is, he is bought we are in. in it. We are in now. Mm-hmm. We are not going back. So they get to the next gate. This is the gate of life. Whosoever would open this gate must forswear the gift of the gods of life. And they, they, they try to think about this and interpret it. Uh, they do a couple of checks because they're not really actually sure what this means. So they, I let them do a few checks. Um, and through basically religion and arcana checks, they realize that basically whoever, whoever opens this gate uh, is not going to have children. Mm. And uh, oh, okay. so... so yeah, so the party paladin, he's like, all right, well, you know what? It's my family line has sworn to eliminate, has sworn to eliminate this eldritch being, and I am the last of my line. And goddamn it, we are getting, we are killing this eldritch being because I'm going to be the last of the line, apparently. Mm. So he forswears the gift of the gods of life, and they open the gate and go through the door. And then they get to the gate of future. Whosoever would cross this gate must forswear their future success. Oh. Mm. Or sorry, whosoever oh, would open man. this gate, not cross this gate. There's a difference there. Whosoever would <clears> open <throat> this gate. So this one guy's like, hey, I haven't opened any of the gates. I'll do it. So I forswear a future success. So I give him a nat one chip. At some point, at my discretion, whatever his role is, it is a nat one. <laughs> Vicious. Mm, Vicious. <laughs> Okay, uh, this one is uh, who's so they get to the gate of body. Whosoever would oh sorry no the gate of innocence my bad the gate of innocence. Whosoever would open this gate may do so by speaking the name of an innocent person. Mm-hmm. Blinky. And so they're like oh shit we have to kill somebody like innocent and unrelated to this. And they realize they're at the seventh gate, and that's, this is where Brightblade stopped. This is the one that, like, got Brightblade and where he couldn't open the gate. So they, they discuss it for a bit, and they decide, well, they do have a pet parrot that they used the spell Awaken on several, a while ago. He is their parrot. Uh, he, his name is Bobo, and he, he, like, does their taxes for them. Not Bobo! Not Bobo, the Bobo. accountant! Mm-hmm. So, Bobo, the accountant cockatoo. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they utter the name of Bobo, and Bobo dies, and the gate opens. So then they get to the gate of the, the, gate of the body. Uh, whosoever would open this gate must make a sacrifice of their own flesh. Mm. And uh, the effect, so somebody's like, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. So he, uh, he opens the gate, and his hit points are permanently reset to the lowest possible he mm. can have. 
This mm. is sad. This is a sad day indeed. And That's a lot of sacrifice. There's two to more get gates. There's thing. two more gates, and here's 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 the here's the 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 meat and bones. They get to the gate of death. Whosoever would open this gate must forswear the gift of the gods of death. Hmm. Oh no. So they probably don't have an afterlife. Oh. Worse. The bard. Who, by the way, he's already sworn, you know, he's already, you know, the day he dies is the day that his, um, is the day that, the, the day that his name is for, uttered the last time. So he decides, fuck it, I'll forswear the gift of death. And they, they go through, they don't know what that, they're like, whatever that means. So he forswears the gift of death and he goes through the gate. And on the other side of this gate, there is, um... An individual who uh, we later on affectionately mm -hmm. called Sir Pancake. Uh, Sir Pancake uh, has been crushed. Sir Pancake is pinned under a rock, um, apparently alive because. But although, like, there is a there is a boulder on his chest, but he is like able to look around and talk and everything. And he talks to them. He tells them how he came in here with his party, and there was an earthquake because there this this vault is on an active volcano. There was an earthquake, mm -hmm. and this boulder fell on him, and he has been trapped here for eons since. Like, he doesn't even know how long ago that was. And he was the one who opened the last gate. Oh, so, they, they, so he's immortal. He Yes, he cannot Ish, be yeah. killed. He cannot die. They get the boulder off of him, and yeah, it, whatever is like left of him is just a <laughs> smear of meat. And he, like, there's nothing much left below, like, about his sternum. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, can't just leave him in here. So they, they kind of stuff him in the uh, bag of holding with, uh, with the, the bones of, that, of Brightblade's brother. Mm -hmm. Is his body able to be and, mended? Uh, they get to that later. Oh, because I'm worried about this guy having a squash pee-pee for the rest of his life. Well, I mean, he's got bigger problems because he's basically a sternum and up. I'm not even really sure how he talks because he doesn't have lungs, but, you know, whatever. Hey, I didn't question the talking head in God of War. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a god. I mean, so, like, you know, like, that's just Norse yeah, mythology, he's a god. you know? Oh, and, and God of War, that is not a god. That is just a dude. He was the smartest man alive. He probably knew some sort yeah, of weird magic mumbo-jumbo yeah. shtick that probably made it so that he could. Just saying, there's always, there's always going to be some level of disbelief so they get to sorry there's a few more gates than i thought they get to the next gate the gate of mind whosoever would open this gate must make a sacrifice of their mind and they all look oh, at each other and they're no. like oh fuck we're not sacrificing our sanity fuck that no way and the 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 guy who killed his grandpa is like err so they think about it and this they debate for like 20 minutes who's going to do this and then they all like a light bulb just appears above all their heads. Mr. Pancake. And they oh, they they pull Sir Pancake out, and they're like, all right, if you want out of here, you have to open this gate. Yeah. And he's like... Mr. Pancake. So they convince Sir Pancake. They convince Sir Pancake that they'll they'll get him home and heal him, but he's going to open this gate for them. So he opens the gate, and he becomes a gibbering, writhing mass of flesh because he has no... He's insane now. His mind is gone. Oh, great. Mm. And so he just begins screaming, just screaming, because he has laid in pain for thousands of years, and now his whatever was left mm -hmm. of his sanity is 
So you stuff Gag him, him and put him in the bag. And then they put him back in the bag <laughs> with yeah. the skeleton. And then they get to the gate of they can't tell anymore because I guess that earthquake smashed the smashed the mm. the name of the gate. Oh, that's rough, oh, man! A mystery side. Who knows what but mystery will come to these people? The, the 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 quote above the door says, "Your sacrifices are in vain. You have been judged and you have been judged and found wanting. Turn back and face what you have lost." Ooh. Oh no! You troll, you! Oh my god! <laughs> it's a trick! It is totally one hundred percent a trick. Yeah. All right. Um. So uh, they and they're like, yeah, no, they all just like take a second. They all look at each other like, no, no, and they just go through it anyways. <laughs> and yeah. then they get to the actual vault and have to fight this eldritch abomination. Well done. Jeez. Yeah. It was brutal. It was brutal. Like, people almost came to blows over some of the, like, decisions of who was going to sacrifice who. Because, like, the, these characters they had, this was one of the, like, final dungeons I ran for this campaign. They'd been playing these characters mm. for, like, a year and a half. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's got to be what? That was probably your third campaign then? Yes, this was near the end of campaign three. So uh, about a year and a half ago now have, is when this I'm was done. I'm figuring out the timeline. You can see all the math on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was near the end, and um, the the wonderful beauty of it is uh, so they they also found like an NPC in there who's become a recurring NPC, King Roland, who was the ancient king of of uh, of this. The island they're on is like an ancient elven homeland place, mm-hmm. and he's like the last of the first elves or whatever. So they I find, like yeah, wording. they find like the mythical King Roland of Santini in there, and he helps them fight the Eldritch Abomination. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And at at, at any point, there they were free. There was a, they were free to like go out the exit, and that gate was called the Gate of Mercy. Whosoever passes through this gate will find release from the burden of knowledge. And basically, uh, if you go through this, you don't remember. Uh, mm. What you sacrificed? Oof. That's, Your sacrifice remains. That's almost. Yeah, I was like, that's almost worse. Yeah, but that's why like Brightblade's memory got hazy, and that's why he like mm. absolutely doesn't even remember that he ever had a brother. Like they bring the corpse Ouch. back. They bring the corpse back to Brightblade Estate, and he's like, oh yeah, I guess in the record books there was a Tristane, and he's like, just mystified because he completely doesn't ever remember his brother. But they bury him and everything. That is very mm-hmm. unfortunate. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, so that what, was the Vault of Malice. So what happens if you write you're you're the second death guy, right? What happens if your name is written down somewhere? Does it get erased? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Brightblade found Tristane's name <laughs> in the genealogy book. Just didn't know what he was. But yeah, he just yeah. like had no comprehension. Like he was just unable to understand. Okay, so it doesn't it doesn't get rid of any <clears throat> no. record, but <clears throat> no. But he was just like, well, I guess I had a <clears throat> brother. Odd that I don't remember him. I mean, he was only three years older than me. And that's awful close in age for elves. This might be um, this might be picking at a thorn in your side lately, but uh, it's almost like when Elsa lost your memories. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. 
Anna lost her memories, not Elsa. Anna, Anna, you're right. Anna, <clears throat> sorry. Yes. Context: My son has been watching Frozen t- nonstop. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm in I'm in a Minecraft Roblox hell. Let it go, let it go. And I'd rather when, uh, hear the when I was with the wife. Her and the kids were singing that all the time. Yeah. All right. Morg, number four. <clears throat> this one's going to be my... Uh, actually, no. Yeah. Okay. I got to pick very carefully. Okay. Do you guys want to hear about Evelios Dundragon? Or do you want to hear about Jack Daniels? It's your pick. <laughs> Evelios Dundragon, because I want to make you say that name over and over. It is a great name, Evelios Dundragon. Okay, so I decided I was going to play as a half-elf warlock. And this is my first time actually playing as a serious character. And he's very power-hungry. He's a little bit evil. He's lawful evil. He he does whatever he needs mm-hmm. to in order to be able to get access to the power that he needs in order to be... He, I believe, was a warlock for a great old one. So, like, he, mm, he's in service okay. to, I think it was Azathoth, but, um, you know, it, what happened was he, he did, like, a like a ritual from, like, an old family book because apparently he came from a long line of, like, these weird elves that aren't even, like, native to the, um, the world that they live in, and they wanted to bury their past, and so um, this was, like, their ancient ancestors. And they decided, you know, to keep that information locked away or whatever. And he was a curious mind. He he wanted to learn more about his background and stuff like that. And so he found, like, this old eldritch book. It's kind of like a Necronomicon of sorts or whatever. Opens it up, does a ritual. And then he's, like, he just um, enters into um, an ethereal, or at least the outside, the real world. Because when... It, it, in in the sense of H.P. Lovecraft, we're all just a, you know we're all just like a dream aspect of like this one giant eldritch entity, like this super supernaturally omnipotent um, uh, super god thing that just dreams reality, and that's what that's what we live in. Right. And so he he was able to project himself out of the dream, and he perceived the all you know the sleeping uh, danger. Well, Damon, yeah, the Damon Sultan, I think he's called. Um. And mm-hmm. um, he accidentally caused it to stir a little bit, and it created a whole bunch of chaos and havoc, um, having, like, this this all-being, whatever, just kind of almost suddenly, just almost wake up a little bit from the dream. And so everything that um, happened in his kingdom, it was all just just thrown into chaos. And so he managed to escape, right. but he also attained some power from it, too. Because he 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 he's an he's an avatar in the dream that became self aware of himself and the aspects of you know reality just being a dream, and so he got power from it. So uh, we were doing Curse of Strahd, and we were constantly getting taunted by by the freaking vampire, and I believe there was a part where um, the vampire actually pulls him off to the side or whatever, and he's like, "I can sense great power and evil in you. You know, you you know things that others don't." Maybe we could join together and become allies or whatever. And, you know, Evelios is like, well, what am I going to get out of this deal? It doesn't matter anyways to me. You know, none of this is real. Um, You know, I just want to, you know, do my thing and just become more powerful. And so, later on... It is such a more character. 
But anyways, um, yeah, later on the line, he's like, I'll think oh. about it. And so, um, and then later on, um, we rescued, like, the, I think it was a werewolf cub or whatever. And then Avelios looks at this and he's like, hmm, what would happen if I became a werewolf? And so he's, like, trying to egg <laughs> on this little werewolf cub thing to try and bite him, you know, sneakily. But the problem is, is that we've got, like, this, this... <laughs> This freaking paladin on our team that is, like, all about, like, you know, oh, evil is heresy, you have to destroy all evil and stuff like that, whatever. And so, like, he's trying to spend all of his time trying to kill Pan. the freaking werewolf or whatever because he sees everything it happening It seems in... Pan has an interjection, yeah. Morg. I, I just have a question for the DM of this session who apparently had never had a mm-hmm. puppy because... Like, it, it takes, you, you turn your back for like half a second, the puppy's gnawing on your arm. <laughs> well, I mean, it was terrified, and the fact that, you know, we had a full party with, I think it was a paladin, a cleric, the warlock, and then, um, there were some other players, okay, I can't remember okay. where they were, but I remember well, two of them con- dropped out, and then we added continue, another one. Continue, continue. Um, yeah, anyways, and yeah. so, you know, uh, and then we we got to the point where, you know, the cleric was, you know, cleric, I think, um, he was, he was one of Mercy or something like that, whatever, and then he's, like, trying to stave off, uh, the freaking paladin from chopping this, this werewolf cub to pieces, and he's also, like, pointing at the werewolf, you know, the warlock going, no, you're not getting bitten, you're not turning into a werewolf on my watch, whatever, the paladin's just, like, I, the warlock, be like, you transform into a werewolf, I'll kill you. And so, <laughs> so then we take it back to, um, it, it, it's pack whatever, and then we did, like, a negotiation of, like, terms of where it's like, you know, hey, we'll give you this comeback or whatever, and then we'll deal with Strahd, um, you know, if you just leave the people of, the, of this particular village alone and you just, you know, go live your life whatever, doing whatever you want, whatever. But then what happens is the cleric, because he runs an orphanage, he notices that there's a whole bunch of, like, these abducted children that the werewolves were going to try and bring into the fold as candidates to become new pack members. And so they had this system where Mm -hmm. um, only the strongest one would survive, so then they'd have, like, these kids into, like, this death pit battle royale thing, whatever, where, like, the the one that remains, you know, gets to, uh, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Evelios, he opens his mouth, and he's like, well... Isn't it pretty obvious which one is the strongest of them? Do you have to go around killing all, you know, all the children in order to be able to benefit from this or whatever? And they're like, you have a very good point. And so, I was, and so then, you know, what Avelios does is he 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 goes over to the clerk. And he's like, shh, I got this. What happens if you know you decide, you know? You know, spare the lives of the weaker ones, you know, they make for good prey, you know, you can devour them, whatever, you know, at your leisure, you know, it's lambs, you know, you know, to the mighty wolf. But, you know, we will offer you the right to just take the strongest one of the group and make him a werewolf. There's no losses here, really, whatever, and the cleric and the paladin are just like, are you serious? Whatever, you're just going to sacrifice the life of that, you know, of that child, you know? And then, you know, Paladin's, like, getting ready for a big fight, whatever, and I'm like, you know, and then the world's like, we're not going to win this fight. No, there's no point, whatever, you know? Everything that you, all of you people are doing is completely meaningless. There's no point to it at all, you know? It's very obvious. He's obviously the strongest of the kids, whatever. You might as well take him into your pack. Let the let the other ones go, you know? You can hunt them another day, whatever. It doesn't matter. And, and there's the cleric, like, mm-hmm. I see what you're trying to do, but it's so bad, whatever. And then, <laughs> right. and so then, um, it has its, and then he has its, and he's like, 
okay. And they're like, yeah, sure, deal, whatever. And so then, you know, the the warlock has the cleric take the kids out, whatever, and he's like, you know, get them back to their families or whatever. You know, I've, you know, I'll just make sure that everybody's, you know, you know, that the, the, the gate's covered, you know, that, you know, that we're safe getting out of here, that they don't try anything funny. And of course, the cleric's like, oh, no, I don't trust you, whatever, pulls the kids out. And of course, the paladin's not going to leave. He's like, no, I know what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You're trying to become a werewolf too, and I know for a fact you're not going to do this. And it actually got into like this really funny 30-minute debate of us just staying in character in front of these werewolves where the warlock is trying to ask them to see if he can actually get the powers that they have to offer as werewolves. And then there's the, the paladin who's like arguing, no, this is the wrong thing for you to do, whatever. And then they get into this back-and-forth thing. Meanwhile, the werewolves are just sitting there going... They're just so weird, you know? <laughs> right. Like, what What are we doing yeah, here? Like, yeah, kind of like, I get it. You come into our home, and then you start bitching and complaining like some old married couple? Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Kind of thing. It was really... <laughs> yeah. And so the DM is, like, just absolutely amused by this. And so, he, and so then what happens? He's like, okay, I'll give you a break. If you can somehow convince the werewolves with this charisma, with this persuasion check to be able to turn you into a werewolf, they'll turn you into a werewolf, whatever. But of course, this is this doesn't bode well for the paladin because we all know that the paladin, I think it was like level 5 or something like that. Maybe it was, yeah, I think it was level 5 or something like that. He wasn't going to be able to stand a chance if, he, if the warlock was going to team up with a bunch of werewolves. And so, <laughs> you know, it was going to be two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. I rolled for persuasion, and I failed. <laughs> I just like just a few points off, and they were ah. like, "Nope, sorry, we, you know, we already have what we need." Stuff yeah. like that, and I was like, "Damn it!" And whatever. And of course, this paladin going, "Ha ha ha ha! You don't have to become a werewolf." And of course, the paladin doesn't have to worry about turning into a werewolf or anything like that because he uses radiant magic anyway, mm. so he's perfect for vampire. And, yeah, so what happens is, you know, um, as a, you know, in in an effort for trying, and because it was hilarious having us arguing for a half an hour in character, as we're supposed to do. Yeah. um, The the, uh, DM decides, you know what, I'm going to give you a little treat because, you know what, that was very entertaining for me. I'm going to give you this necklace of uh, red beads, and each one of these beads is able to cast fire spell at the lowest level. Oh, sorry, fireball at the lowest level. So mm-hmm. yeah, necklace of necklace yeah, of fireball. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. When we got to Strahd, I had the necklace, and I think it was it was Strahd and I believe three of his harem in in, in his uh, in his room wherever where his coffin is. It only took us two turns to kill Strahd and all of his concubines or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Throw all the red beads at Throw him. Throw the right. whole, whole necklace. necklace. Boom! Yeah. And I believe we also smited yeah, okay. him. And I believe also uh, the paladin smited him and then used, uh, I think it was uh, branding smite or something like that. I can't remember. And of course, Strahd is able to turn invisible, but we have also this sword that produces nothing but sunlight within, I think it was like a 20-foot radius. And we're in a tiny room. Oh, and so this geez. fucking vampire is smoking, and I'm like... But he's smoldering. If he, even if he's invisible, hey, he's still hey, producing smoke. Fifty, and then so I'm like, fifty feet away from any building is the law here in Ohio. Yeah. Fifty yeah. feet, no smoking. 
smoking indoors. And so I was like, uh, Jim. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, is he burning? And he's like, oh. And then, he's, and then he does a roll and he's like, yeah, you can see that even though despite he's invisible, he's also pluming with smoke because he's burning from the inside out. And so we we're all like, there he is! And Strahd, like, oh no! I can't escape! Just boom, 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 boom! Two turns, he was dead. And the GM was like, just, he just awesome. got off the table and was like, oh! Oh! <laughs> he hid under the stairs, just All rocking that back and forth, like, what have I done? I gave him the fireball necklace! <laughs> 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 Yeah. We were all laughing at the table, and then some people, they, they left to go to the bathroom and get a sandwich or whatever, and they come back and they're like, what happened? And we were like, oh, we killed him! And they were like, what? And they were, we were like, yeah, it only took us two turns. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> The part where we had to deal with this oh, stupid geez. goat, though, that was really frustrating. I was so pissed off that I was not able to turn into a werewolf, and then some guy was dropped to zero health because of some freaking like legendary goat that we had to fight or whatever. It was it was insane. <laughs> it was I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, hey, what is this? Like, and I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm getting out of this. You know, and then whatever. And everybody's like, hey, hey, calm down. And I'm like, no, I don't get to turn into a werewolf, and everybody's getting fucked by this goat. I want nothing to do with this session. Anymore. Anymore. Dude, <laughs> and everybody's like, a plug, a, a plug for an amazing YouTube channel, channel Tier yeah. Zoo. He explains why goats are amazing. Goats are top tier. Like, oh man, goats. You don't mess with a goat yeah, headbutt. You, you don't mess with a goat headbutt. It showed there was footage of a goat headbutting. What was it like a? a a water buffalo or something like that? And they that? both knock each other and out. And the goat wins. No. The goat The goat wins. knocked out the... <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's been a million years since I saw uh, that Tearsu video. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Anyway. <laughs> so funny. It's a good story, Morg. Um... So, I, I, what I think we're going to do, just sort of cut down on time. Pan, I'm going to do my last one, and we're just going to end with your last story, and we'll cut it off from there. It's Sorry, okay, Morgan. it's okay. Um, I had one more, too, but I'm gonna, just going to pick the better of the two. Um, so, I've talked about this this character a couple times, uh, and I've explained him, which is Nil, which is Link backwards. Uh, it was in the Doom campaign, <laughs> uh, where... My brother, the genius that he is, uh, he's an amazing DM. Uh, I think he's better than me at a DM because he actually enjoys doing it. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I tolerate it. Um, he created this dungeon that, like, you had to get through the through eight trials, eight dungeons, to sort of open this gate that was supposed to be kind of like, uh, I think it like Borderlands, like, oh, the vault yeah. or whatever. Um, also... Spoilers, it was a trick. It was actually a gate to uh, the Abyss, and it let the Abyss into the mortal <gasps> plane. So that oh, was no. fun. Um, As you do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so we, we had the moral conundrum of succeeding, spoilers, uh, eventually, and unleashing basically an army of demons upon the world. And uh, so anyways, I'm playing Nil, who is a lawful good ranger, uh, who is modeled after Link. Now, unfortunately, it is a mirror image of Link. It is not Link. So I am not silent. 
I have a high my my priority stat was charisma. I this is a fifth edition base ranger. All right. So let's let's talk so for a second here. Let, let's take this into account. All everyone says rangers shit, right? I don't care. I make a character and then I pick the class and race. So like the fact that you know you know I talked a little bit before about being base race and class kind of like being my sort of thing right now. So I made nil and. Um, I got to do so many, this is literally my coolest character I ever made. He had an 8 in intelligence, but he had a 22 in dex, an 18 in strength, and an 18 in charisma. Oh my god! And he was, he was, but he had only 8 intelligence. Now, we do rolls. We don't do stat allocation. Is it roll 4 and take the So that was part of that. Yes, but we also got a bonus. That's how I got 22 dex. So we got to draw random cards and whoever, whatever card you drew, you got a plus two to that stat from the start. And it superseded any of the stat caps that the, the, uh, book set. So we were playing a high power campaign and my brother likes to do that. So yeah, he had a lot of good stats. So long story short, we're through a lot of dungeons. We did a Pikmin one, we did a Mario, Metroid, Star Fox even. We actually got to fly starships and shoot things down for one of them. Um, figuring out what they were was kind of a problem with our medieval D&D brains, but like, hey, there you go. Now, we did, uh, it was the Zelda one, actually, where we had to fight the, if you guys remember from Ocarina of Time, there's the Lizalfas fight on the pillars with all the Lizalfas jumping around. I love that part. I love, I love fighting those guys. So we had to do the Lizalfas fight, and I'm Link, right? A, I don't metagame, obviously. So, I don't know what these are. I'm just the elf ranger from the forest who is really talkative and stuff. But I do use a shield, and I do use sword mm-hmm. and a bow. So, uh, we also have to deal with the lava and do jump checks in between. And I was like, so, um, I have a shield of fire immunity, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, yes. Um, I am going to jump... And surf on the shield. Oh no! Oh, I like this. So he gets like, okay, so do a dex check, easy peasy. Did the dex check. So I was surfing on the waves of the lava between the uh, pillars, <laughs> hacking down the Zolfos with my sword as I go and shooting and stuff, like some sort of like freaking superpower. Oh my god, it's like Tahu from Bionicles Elf. when he can like just surf on the lava. It was it was amazing. So it was a, the thing is, like we all knew going into this, well, even when we were creating characters, this, this is the same play group that I hated playing with. Um, because they all did like net deck, like net build characters, warlocks, like, oh, meme builds from like D&D online stuff. Like, Whatever. And I was the only one that took the Nintendo theme into account. And I, of course, I put my own twist on it. Just because I like to. How hard would it have been to be like Mario the Fire Sorcerer? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Mario the Mario the Barbarian with a hammer. Yeah, you could have been a Pyromancer Mario. Or you could have gone the Barbarian route with a giant hammer. Like, there's so many ways to do Mario. <laughs> you could have been a team of Marios. You could have been, been a Princess you, Peach. Like, you, you could have... You could have been Luigi the Necromancer. <laughs> yes. 
with his vacuum. Yeah. Oh shit! I want to be Luigi the Necromancer <laughs> I, I now. I feel like Luigi would so, probably be a cleric I, I because he hates ghosts. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's a cleric and he banes them away with his vacuum of turning. Yeah. Um. So. So I I I loved that campaign, but I was the only one that really embraced it. But like, that's that's kind of my story is that. Um, you know, I got to be Link, who rode on, like, surf waves mm-hmm. of lava. <laughs> that is so cool. Now, there was one time... There was one time... I did play to my intelligence as well. So I actually managed to solve a puzzle and get up, like, a wind tunnel in one of the other dungeons. I don't remember which which, which game it was. Um, but I got to a 300-foot tower top to get the item for the key for the dungeon. So it was all based on Zelda keys, too. All the dungeons had silver and gold keys you had to get to get through doors. So uh, he's like, okay, so how do you get down? There's wind, right? Yes. Swan dive. The wind will stop me. <laughs> it didn't stop me. <laughs> I was within one point of death oh, no. from fall damage. <laughs> so he's like, you broke your neck. <laughs> Fuck you, Grim Reaper. <laughs> so there's that too. Um, Pan, you go ahead and continue our story, your story. I'll be right back. All right. So this is my favorite. This is my favorite D and D story. Um, and uh, in my opinion, this this uh, I have not topped this, and I'm not sure that I will. I'm not sure that I want to top this story because it was it was a beautiful, wonderful, mm-hmm. amazing night. So uh, the the party involved here, um, they are the same. They are the exact same players from uh, both the Daggerlock story I told earlier. And hang on, one other story. I have to go back to my notes. Uh, oh, the Death Scythe. In fact, this is actually the very next adventure after they after they did the Death Scythe. So we have uh, we have a a half demon bard. He's the, he's the emperor's bastard son. He's half demon. Um, we have a human necromancer, we have a gnome wizard, and we have a half-elf multi-classer mm-hmm. is what we called him. Because he didn't actually have majority in any one right. class. He had like four classes. Mm. So, so yeah, we had the, the bard, the necromancer, the generic wizard, and the multi-classer. And uh, the, the bard, he wanted to make a bard. He heard this story uh, told by Spoonie, who, if, if, but... He's a YouTuber who doesn't really do anything anymore, but he used to have a show where he talked. He told his mm-hmm. tabletop RPG stories, and he had this yeah. t- tabletop RPG story about how he about uh, being a bard in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which is a bitch and a half to be a right. bard in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I can imagine. I won't dive too much into that. I won't dive too much into it, but basically, you have to take four levels in Fighter, and then you have to take four or five levels in Rogue. And then you have to uh, make befriend the druids and take a few levels in druid. And then you have to find a master bard who will teach you the ancient ways. And oh, then no. you can start taking levels oh in bard. Oh, my God. Like, that's in mm-hmm. AD&D. So, yeah, there used to be some hefty requirements to a lot of things. Yeah. So, um, but bard was, easy, was like a broken-ass class, like, completely. It's, it's somewhat broken now, but it was, like, absolutely broken back then. So anyways, uh, this player, he decides on his second character, he, he wants to be a bard, and he's going to be a bard of the old ways. 
So he's gonna, his character actually is like five levels ro- fighter, so many levels rogue, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And he has gotten to the point where he needs to start, he needs to find a master bard. So I knew this was coming down the line. So I, I, uh, I actually type up a letter in Wingdings and print it out and give it to him. He, it, the player is my husband, so I gave it to him like a week before the game. And he had to like translate it and stuff. And um, he figures out that it's a letter from the bard, pr- from someone who calls himself the Bard Prince Orpheus. And he has personally invited, he has personally invited, uh, Rex the, t- Rex the 20th to come to his island home mm-hmm. to learn the old ways. Oh. So immediately after they do the Death Scythe adventure and they solve the plague in the city, they set sail for the Bard Prince's island home. They go through a couple of small adventures on the island before they finally, make con- before they finally meet this kindly old man who says he knows the way, but we have to go through this treacherous forest and we'll get there. And he starts, like, bullshitting them and, like, leading them down the wrong way and stuff. And they're like, all right, so when's he going to reveal he's the Bard Prince, Chelsea? When's he going to tell us he's the Bard Prince? I'm like, oh, fuck <laughs> you guys. Let me have some fun. <clears throat> Suddenly the old man whirls on you and uh, he, has cast away, he has cast away the glamour that uh, disguised his true form. And you see a fair... You see a fair youth worthy of worthy of Greek art standing before you and holding a glittering sword uh, with flow with a flowing red mane that seems to just fl- float behind him despite mm-hmm. the fact that there is no wind here. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Ha! The f- trial of the fighter begins now. Have at thee!" And he attacks the he attacks the bard player. Bard player says, "Well, I pull out my bow and shoot him." He's 20 feet away, right? I'm like, ah, crap. So he pulls out his bow and, like, shoots him. And he's got, actually, a pretty legendary bow. The players are in the middle of collecting the five weapons of the gods, which is based Mm -hmm. on the Theros stuff, by the way. Mm. Nylea's bow. Yes, so he has Nylea's bow, which Mm -hmm. is basically a plus. It's... If if you have the Dungeon Master's Guide, it's the Oath Bow. Okay. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, if you base it on the Magic card, it has Death Touch. So no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think the card was actually out okay. at the time I came up with this. Oh, okay, sure. So it's an Oath Bow. It's an Oath Bow. Um, so he he <laughs> he shoots the ever-loving stuffing out of the Bard Prince, and he's got several holes in his chest now with arrows sticking out, and he's like, ah. Well, perhaps you are a Bard. <laughs> 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 Hang on. No, you didn't let hear the punchline. Okay. He looks down at the arrows in his chest and he says, Ah, oh, perhaps you are a bard. Your skills at penetration are legendary. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I am not a fan of the whole bards are all sexual demons. Well, this bard was because you remember yeah. his mother was a succubus. That I do remember. Yes, I do. So is he technically a tiefling? If you embrace it, fine. Yes, we actually use tiefling stats. Mm -hmm. We use tiefling stats. His mother was a succubus. His father was a dragonborn. But whatever. Succubus can breed with whatever it wishes. Okay. So he kind of limps his way through the forest and leads them to his mansion. And he's like, all right, my servants will attend you. I must recover from my wounds. Mm-hmm. So they go off with the servants for a while, and uh, so basically, my plan was to sort of set my players up to encounter this this strange being who 
basically, my vision of him was David mm. Bowie from Labyrinth. Oh my god, this is so epic. Okay. So, uh, that, that was my sort of headcanon, what he was like. And uh, he was going to put the bard player through like three through trials based on the you know the different classes you have to take to be uh, to be a bard in AD and D. So the trial of the fighter is over. He kicked the shit out of Orpheus in a fight. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next the next fight or the ne- next fight the next trial. So he's patched up and they go out out back and he's sitting in his like hot spring hot tub. And he's like, all right. So and he's like holding a glass of wine. And he says. My birthday party is in three days from three days from now. You have three days to steal from me that which is most precious and give it to me as a present. And of course I can't know what you've stolen mm-hmm. or that you've stolen it. And again, I was one, I was basically trying to put my players into an impossible situation and see what they did with it. Who does he think they are? Fucking Amazon? So, Come on. Hang on. Hang on. So, uh, I don't get basically, <laughs> Amazon is in, like, they, they deliver presents. Oh, okay. I was like, what, what does Amazon have to do with stealing yeah. the most precious He's thing? He's like, I, don't I would like to make a request <laughs> for my birthday, that which is most precious, but you cannot n- tell me what it is, or n- <laughs> say when it's okay. delivered, what is she no, no, it's some fucking... I've never actually read The Witcher before now, but, you know, it's like some, like, mm-hmm. Witcher love surprise bullshit. Oh, uh, okay. okay. But I'd, I actually hadn't read The Witcher when I came up with this. But, um, so they decide, okay, we're going to split forces. So the, the, t- the bard player, he actually is like, no, no, I, uh, I want to spend the next couple of days just hanging out with Orpheus and playing music and jamming with him and whatever else bards <laughs> do when they're alone together. Oh, no. Guys, I'll keep him distracted while you ransack his house. So, uh, so the, uh, the, the two bards, you know, they, they go off and do whatever it is bards do when they're alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Orpheus is, what I, what I say is thoroughly distracted by the presence of this, of the, of the, the other bard. And he was like, okay, every once in a while I have him do, like, roles to see, like, you know, you know, performance role to see how you're doing as far as, like, you know, jamming together and persuasion role to see, you know, what he thinks of what you just said or, you know, what if he thinks you're funny right. or cute or whatever. So every once in a while I have him do a role and he's, like, ace in it. Like, I don't know, he's on fire. Like, perfect roles all across the board. Meanwhile, the players... They they basically start questioning the staff and digging through all his stuff, and they spend a while, and I, I put a couple of red herrings in here. They find a golden fiddle with mm. the seal of Mephistopheles upon it. Uh, they speak with uh, they speak with the aged uh, chef who, you know, she's a member of his staff, and she's got this secret cookie recipe, and they find this old musical teddy bear and a couple other things like that. Uh, they find out a few details about him. They find out that Orpheus is actually kind of unimaginably old. He, um, he predates the first of the elves. Hmm. Mm. That's wow. really old. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he predates the first elves, and, uh, they find, like, a recurring theme throughout the decor of this mansion, mansion is that he's apparently obsessed with the North Star, which, in my setting, the North Star is a, is a name that's sort of synonymous with Corell and Lorethian. Mm-hmm. For the uninitiated, Corell and Lorethian mm-hmm. is the chief god of elves. So they 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 ask him about this. Like, who is the North Star? And he says, Ah, oh, he was a dear friend that I knew when I was young in the glory days of youth. 
And they're like, you know, they, they, so they, they ask him other things about his past, and he's very sad about it, and he's kind of wistful and doesn't really want, like to elaborate. Um, he's very nostalgic for the days of when he was young, and uh, he traveled about with his friends, and they had many adventures and got into all sorts of scrapes, and unfortunately, all, every one of them has moved on without me. So that's very sad for them. So they, 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 uh, they eventually get a chance to break into Orpheus's bedroom. And they find they find this big oak desk with uh, party invites, and you know, there's there's a list of like guests, and uh, the the necromancer actually finds it, and he's actually very well versed in religion, oddly enough, and he realizes that every single name on this list is a synonym for for a major deity. Mm-hmm. And then he sees these two <coughs> these two uh, letters sitting on the desk um, that have not been sent out. Uh, Currently going on in this in this setting, there is a war going between the the dragon the dragonborn empire and the mm. confederation of elven states. So basically, mm-hmm. the elves and dragonborn are at war. So there's there's two uh, unsent letters, and one is you know, the the North Star, and then the other one is um, the 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 North Wind. Mm. King of the North Wind is a title often given to Bahamut, and like I said, North Star is synonymous with Corel and Lorethian. Because the North Star guides you, and look, Corel and Lorethian is the god of rangers. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went with that. Mm-hmm. So they're like, ah, oh, fuck it. You know what? He didn't have the guts to invite both of them. We're going to invite both of them. Right. So they steal the invites Despite and send the them war. off. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the, um, the multi-classer, he's actually taken a couple levels in cleric, and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll sit down and pray to Bahamut and see if, he'll, see if he answers. He does. He passes the check to get, to get a direct line to a god because... Clerics can do that every so often. Bahamut's like, oh, hell yeah. Orpheus is throwing a party? Man, he hasn't thrown a party since. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I forget exactly what they did to get a hold of Corellan, but they get a hold of him. <clears throat> and they, they continue searching the place, and they eventually find a false back mm. to Orpheus's closet. Mm. They open the closet, and this, there's a room just covered in dust. So they... They cast Levitate and they float in because they don't want him to know that they were in here. Because they have to steal whatever it is they're going to mm-hmm. steal without him knowing it. Mm-hmm. And they find, um, they find this, this painting on the wall. It's the only thing in the room. And let me uh, find my description of it. Gathered together are six smiling adventurers. A silver dragonborn paladin with a dragon's head device upon his shield. A large tiefling warrior with a twisted black and red sword. A wiry Eladrin ranger with a glowing green bow. A stout dwarven barbarian in ragged clothing, wielding, wielding a flaming hammer. A fair-haired human priest with a shining spear and the device of the sun upon his robes. And Orpheus in a suit of green armor with his wooden lyre. And uh, the, the um, necromancer car- player just goes, because <gasps> he realizes what I just described. Mm-hmm. Uh, he keeps to himself for a moment, and uh, then uh, everybody, like, he's like, guys, the guest list, and they go back, and uh, he's like, they, they realize that they correlate the people in that picture to all the major deities who have been invited. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, yeah, so, you know, the silver dragonborn paladin, that's Bahamut, the mm-hmm. the wiry Aladrin, that's Corellin, Asmodeus, Asmodeus Maraden, uh, and Pillor, god of the sun. <clears throat> and then they suddenly realize what Orpheus meant 
when he said that all his friends moved on without him. Yep. So, at this point, it's like 10.30 at night, and we all have work the next day. Uh, this was back when we, we played D&D on Tuesdays instead of Fridays, for mm-hmm. various reasons. And I'm like, all right, guys, it's 10.30. we got to wrap this up. I'm tired. You're tired. And I'm like, no! No! We're not ending the <laughs> night until the party is done. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll go put another pot of coffee on. This yeah. is also before we ha- I had a kid. Yeah. So uh, they they cast gentle repose on the painting so that way it can't get damaged. And they roll it up, put it in a tube, and they pass it off to Rex, the, the bard, whenever they get a chance. And they dress him up in Orpheus's old armor, and he goes to the party. And Orpheus is, actually, he's very amused at that. And he thinks that's, that's charming and cute. And, well, he, at this point, he thinks mm-hmm. anything that Rex does is charming and cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the guests, the guests are all assembled, and they are giving Orpheus their presents, like the, the, the big, muscular, tiefling warrior. He presents, he presents Orpheus with a sick-ass green pick. Nobody? Ah, Ace got me there. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're, they all realize that Corellin and uh, Bahamut haven't showed up. And then suddenly there's a whoosh of cold wind as the north wind has blown in through the doors and this huge, imposing, shining gold half, this shining gold half dragon just, he's here and uh, he announces his presence and he is happy to see his old friend and he gives him a giant bear hug. Orpheus is happy, but, you know, his best friend hasn't arrived yet. And then everybody's like, ah, Corellin, he's not coming, maybe. (coughs) But then, you know, there's a bright white flash of light and Corellin, the North Star, has descended from the heavens uh, to come to his best friend's party. His, he hasn't seen him in years and he's even putting his, putting aside his current conflict with, uh, well, the, the, the asshole mm-hmm. uh, aside. So everybody's happy. Orpheus is happy and he's like, alright, Bard, show me what you have stolen. And uh, so then one of my players like leans over and he whispers to the Bard player to, he's like, say this, say this. It's like, okay. So he hands him the scroll, and he opens it up, and he's very happy to see this poster because, like, for the first time since this painting was made, everyone's together. And, you know, a single tear rolls down Orpheus's face, and I'm mm-hmm. actually getting a little emotional and tearing up. And uh, then the tiefling bard, or the, the bard player, he says, <clears throat> My prince, I cannot truthfully say that I devised this plan to steal this painting and arrange for the North Wind and the North Star to be here at the same time. For as you know, my time was spent with you these last few days. My friends, my fellow adventurers were the ones who mm. made all this possible. And I'm like, oh my god, that's, that's great. And Orvi, I'm like, yes, truly, one cannot stand alone in this world. That is certain. And uh, then uh, the, the, one of the other players, he drops this sudden bomb that just like makes me start crying. You know, my lord, parties may break up, but your memories are eternal. And it was like, it was like midnight, and I was on like my fourth or fifth cup of coffee. I was just crying. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) That's endearing. And Orpheus, and I'm like, I have to like take a minute to compose myself, and he says, and he says to the, he says to the bard, he says, you stole something that I thought was under lock and key, something that I thought I had securely guarded. 
for centuries. It was his heart. Thou hast, <laughs> thou hast stolen mine heart. Well mm -hmm. done. Yep, there you go. <laughs> and that was when I peaked as a DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> That's awesome. That's a good story. I knew that one, too. You've told that one before. That's a great story. Yeah. And that's a good one. Yeah, Orpheus is now a... Uh, he's a major god, because Corell and Lorethian lost the war, and he, he was actually killed in the war. Mm. Um, Orpheus is now the chief god of the elves, and uh, his his primary muse uh, is that is that bard character who became like a god of peace or something. Mm. A god of negotiation, that's it. Gotcha. So, there's our D&D &D stories, mostly by Pan, uh, <laughs> our, our other ones, and some magic stories from Ace. Um, I remember during that last story, we did not say. do our Monster of the Week. So, oh, yeah. this is 10 out of 10. Yeah, we just don't have the time. We don't have the time to <laughs> Sorry, do that guys. tonight. Sorry, guys. Uh, next week. Um, but we didn't... We didn't announce it last well, week, Well, now's so. a good time as ever. <laughs> I mean, you know, we might as well. So... Next week, we are going to be covering our first 24 hours-ish of Monster Hunter Rise. I specifically Rise. took off um, on Friday. So. Um, I have to have I, a root canal. We will be... T my brother and I are not working that day. Not that we aren't taking off, but we're the only people in the company present during that time. And <laughs> we are going to be going to Lancaster to get his... Um, special edition switch because he has the rise one. Damn, that's lucky. yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be doing it. Um, we're going to be talking about Monster Hunter Rise next week, and we will open because if I have to remember this time, we did have a kind of a weird start today, so that that's part of it. Um, but we will open with um, our, our rating of Rathalos. Um, will we see Rathalos so far in twenty four hours? I hope. Maybe we can actually have Rathalos in that discussion. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I hope. Because, I mean, we know he's in the game. Can I get there in 24 hours? Well, probably. Quick question. Quick question. One, th mm -hmm. Real quick. Ace, have you seen the, the leaks of how many monsters those. there are? Okay. Okay, then. Because we never got Ace since Ace wasn't on the podcast. How many monsters yeah. are well, there? There's a lot. There's quite a lot. Don't I'm say, no, just, say. Just shut up, shut up. He's supposed to guess. Okay, so a while ago, we all did a thing where, like, how many monsters do you mm -hmm. think are going to be in the game? So how many? Just throw out a number and we'll uh, add it to the pinned thing. I think they have, like, 30-something confirmed so far. Um, I'm hoping that'll get up to, like, 44, 45. 44 or 45, uh, what's your I hard like number? Five, so we'll go with 45. <laughs> The answer is 42, man. You gotta go for that, you know, that middle section there, you know? If I remember Shut correctly, 42 is the I said to everything 40. anyways. Yeah, I, I just looked at the pin. You had 40. I had, mm. I think I had the most at 48. Oh, I had that flipped. I thought I had guessed 48, but I was being <laughs> pessimistic. Nope. I, Has I anybody remember. ever seen Hitchhiker's Guide? Yeah. And I was optimistic. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank yes. God. I have, and I've read yes. it, but it's it's bedtime, and I'm going to go, so everybody say your Twitter handers, handles or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have to go. Uh, so, yeah, catch us next week. Uh, you can find all the updates and stuff at Hunter Sub Pod. 
Um, also, you know, if you're not list- if you're listening later on SoundCloud, uh, you can watch us on Twitch now, which is what we're streaming right now, which is uh, Hunter Sub Pod on Twitch.tv. Um, and then also. Um, we're on YouTube under Hunter's Hub. Mm-hmm. There, I uh, just called Hunter's Hub. There's two Hunter Sub channels. One of them is dead. The other one is alive. <laughs> I own both of them. Uh, the one that is alive is our current symbol. With did the you forget a password? Sign. No, uh, we changed emails associated with the podcast. And oh, okay. That make okay. I have access to both. Okay. Um. Join so, us on Discord. I have a lot of supplementary stuff posted on our Discord for this ch- mm-hmm. podcast. Right. Yes, and on Discord where we have lots of hunts and where we actually completed Magnamalo. Um, <laughs> yay! So, uh, yeah, again, Twitter, at Hunter's Hub Pod. Uh, we're going to hurry this along. Uh, you can find Morgan at MorganHay3 mm-hmm. on Twitter. Be sure to catch up with all his crazy retweets and opinions and bad takes and good takes. Oh yeah, I got a lot of bad takes, but also a good number of good takes. <laughs> <laughs> and then at Ace Badger Gaming for uh, Ace there. Uh, Ace is very good at uh, jumping in on discussions on Monster Hunter, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, a lot of Monster Hunter stuff coming up. Uh, we'll, I Like I said in our tweet, we're probably going to be talking about this game for a long time. So that's why we wanted to do this D and D episode to sort of like have something else before the deluge. I've been wanting to get this one out for a while. Yes. Yeah. And it's also a a fun idea, I I think. So yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, and we'll catch you next week where we will be talking about Rathalos and monster hunter rise. See you then. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Be sure to get those spite carps. Bye.